The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me uh, at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter and TB Caps on Instagram. I brought it back. <laughs> Indeed. Episode, episode 401. We had to hear it again. That. Yeah. But. It's fine, because, yes, indeed, is uh, episode 401 of this here comic book, Chronicles. If you did not watch um, last week's episode, you really should. It was good. It was a lot of fun. It really was. Um, you know, and uh, definitely if you listen to the audio uh, part of you would have seen a nice little drop in the beginning. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but... Uh, Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram with the with the over there with the sound effects. What's up, everybody? Just with the the lovely mixed bag full of um, full full of audio drops for himself. <laughs> but that's what being you know that's what being a Brooklyn Knight gets you though you know exactly. <laughs> Uh, and folks, uh, you can find this here podcast on uh, the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find this here podcast on the, your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. But you can also find us, folks, um, as we record. As oh, I was about to say, were you waiting for me to yell out, hit and like, hit, hit subscribe and hit like and leave us the five-star reviews? No, but since you already took oh, okay. that part out of the way, um, this, will, we're, this will be where I will go so far as to say, hey, uh, we record live every Thursday night, um, most Thursday nights, on the the click nation's youtube channel that's d-k-l-i-q-n-a-t-i-o-n um but you can also find us over on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles all one word so hit like subscribe leave us five star reviews whichever means that you use to take in our weekly content please hit subscribe and like and leave us the great reviews yeah yeah and you know, like I said, hopefully we will get the um the, the Twitch thing happen. 
so that uh, we can do some things uh, when they allow us to uh, upload some stuff. You know, we, we got some stuff in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for right now, though, we got a show. And that was just a rhyme that I didn't intend to make. But you know what? This, that's how things happen. Um, and we're going to start off with uh, the books of the week. Starting off with Strange Academy number 17. That's right. No, no, number seven. 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 Seventeen. Seven. I, put, uh, I was about to say, you, the reason why Roddy Cat uh, uh, made that little faux pas is because we were literally talking about the pace that the story has been developing at and whether or not we're going to get more uh, developments as we kind of progress towards um, the natural breaking or the natural stopping points for for a trade paperback publication. That's probably where that came from. No. I also wanted to... That- What's that? Uh, no, so I was like, no, that actually came from because I wrote seventeen in the in the notes, oh, <laughs> in the show notes for some stupid reason. <laughs> no, it's just a typo. Here I am trying to uh, trying to, uh, to to save Roddy Cat from uh, from from a simple typo, but yeah, no, too late. Not, not quite. Yeah, that's just a matter of fact, uh, good enough. Make sure, make sure I didn't do that on. Yeah, so I didn't do it on the on the um, on the the um, the Twitter notification, but. <laughs> I did That's it in the show note, but on the show note thing. That is so funny. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of uh, pep in my stuff because I just got the notification that the the Rangers just beat Buffalo in overtime. Hmm. So you know, I would play the the goal song, but um, uh, you know, we should move on. We we should keep the show moving. Um, for this issue of Strange Academy number seven, it's written by Scott Young, with art by Umberto Ramos, and colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I will say right off the bat that this is a potential click of the week for me. Same. You know, we have this is the aftermath of the confrontation with the Hollow, and uh, it, what I was telling Roddy Cat earlier was that. Um, Aside from the obvious parallels between uh, the Strange Academy and uh, the Hogwarts School for Wizarding and Witchcraft, um, there there's definitely some parallels in that there is a, an underlying uh, I, I don't want to say mystery, but there there is definitely there are definitely things that the staff and the teachers at uh, the Strange Academy, much like at Hogwarts, are not revealing to the students. And it is up to um, the storytellers and the students to reveal those um, the, those secrets uh, to both the reader and uh, the students as time has gone on. We are already in issue number seven, and some of the uh, secrets and mysteries have come to light over the last few issues as the students have tried to strike out on their own and, and, and try to execute a rescue mission and seemingly at the cost of the life of one of their own. And that's where we find ourselves um, at the beginning of this issue. Right. And actually almost two of their own, but yeah. Um, but thanks to what we found out in this issue. Right. Over the course of this issue. Right. We, we found out that one of them seemingly was brought back from the brink through means that they have uh, seemingly used before for other reasons. Um, but we also find out that, well, we like, this is not a big surprise for anybody who's read Dr. Strange for any length of time, especially even the last few years that Dr. Strange is kind of falling back in some real jerk, um, 
uh, uh, jerk uh, habits when you're stressed. When you, when you feel stress, I guess that's not necessarily a, um, you know, you know that's not an excuse. But <laughs> sometimes it, it still made me with... laugh. It made me laugh because I'm like, yeah, there we go, Doctor Strange. There's right. a Doctor Strange we know exactly. Because I was like, wow, that didn't take you <laughs> like you just went from zero to sixty like real quick. I'm like, wow. Um, well, what what I was going to say is I think that is the actual uh, medical doctor in him mm-hmm. that. Uh, I uh, I think is jumping out. Uh, he definitely treats the um, the situation much like bringing uh, a, a, an injured and, and, and very critical patient into uh, an operating room, into an into an emergency room and or an operating room. So that definitely, you know, that that particular parallel, I kind of, you know, I don't know if you've ever been inside one, but I definitely felt. Uh, that same vibe and it, it made some sense but at the same time he's also the head no he's not the headmaster Jericho is the headmaster correct correct but you know he's essentially you know you know he's the namesake of the school so uh, you know he, he kind of has a vested interest in in the school and its students and uh, you know his his attitude towards one uh, Emily Bright isn't exactly helping matters here but at the same time uh, given that they are apparently um, gifted mag- magical users, you kind of have to um, uh, you know, maybe hold the kid gloves back, especially given the circumstances. So, um, you know, there's there's lots of questions here that 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 come up as a result of uh, what we see happen over the course of the issue. But the few things that are sort of answered and the questions that come as a result of what is revealed um, really really make this a super strong issue uh you know seven issues in uh i was i was i was um talking to Roddicat earlier about whether or not this is going to constitute the first issue of the second trade paperback arc um you know kind of uh leading into the next six issue you know kind of uh group of issues that would form the next volume of the trade paperback. And it seems like this is a good a place as any to start. Whereas what happens to Doyle Dormammu at the end of issue six seems like a good cliffhanger to end on for the first six issues and maybe getting people to come and buy the next trade, you know, wanting to know what's next. Right. Uh, Also, um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Although I'm trying to think about what happens if anything at the end of five to where they could just like, well, no, we just make it a five issue and then hit six and then just kind of keep going from there also. But I don't remember what happened at the end of five outside of the fact that, you know, the, the, the catalyst for, uh, they're in the middle of their confrontation. I think that's when they, they initially come upon the hollow. And I think all that kind of bleeds from five into six Mm -hmm. and six ends with what happens to Doyle. And now we have the, the, you know, like I said, it seems like a natural cliffhanger ending, for the first six issue you know it's not necessarily an arc but it's definitely a natural stopping point for the trade right so i don't know that'll be that'll be something uh, interesting to see when that i would imagine wait because solicits for april just came out and between either april or may i want to i would say that the trade would probably be listed at some point soon i don't know i'm not sure i can't remember if they're still doing trades like they used to that's a good question. 
I'm not sure. Obviously, you know, given given uh, pandemic publishing right. scheduling, you know, we we definitely have seen some cha- some changes over the last year and change. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll keep our eyes on the solicits, though. Right, and even then, like I don't know how many people get that far down into the solicits. <laughs> well, it's 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 our responsibility as as host of the show, right? Well, I mean, well, I'm just uh, well, I'm we also try not that, to spoil though. ourselves, but it happens. Well, exactly, like even at that, because let's be honest, like even when we do, it's like single issues, single issues, like let's you know to check out some of the ones that we're interested in, maybe scrape through some of the others, and you know once it starts getting to the trades and whatever else, it's like oh okay. Maybe. I don't know. I could be speaking for myself. So, if that. But regardless, um, yeah, this, this, I, we've, it's, it's been said on the show before, we love Strangers Academy. Uh, uh, um, I think I could speak for both of us in saying that. Yeah, um, it's pretty it's, good. Yeah, I mean, I know there are people who don't like magic and, and that kind of stuff, but I, even then... And it, it even with the art style, it kind of seems like it more it's more of an all ages book, but it's kind of not. Like yes, it's, it, it, I was about to say it's definitely geared towards younger readers, but not the youngest readers, right? So it's definitely tween and teen uh, oriented, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd go with that. Um, but I guess the the other couple of things else to say uh, about this issue is like like yeah definitely is that we've picked up on some stuff that's been kind of teased since the first issue of the the book, um, and they seem to be they they do a decent job about like dropping a nugget on at least one of the students uh, per issue or if not like in and in this one we kind of get back to the not necessarily the main protagonist because this book's got a lot of kids, but the one they've kind of focused on in the beginning as kind of the leader of the group sort of, or at least the main mystery. Exactly. You know, I think it's the main, the the main mystery because if I'm not mistaken, they kind of led with her being the least magically gifted. If I'm not mistaken. Well, no, I think she, well, basically she just came into her powers at a certain point and not necessarily the the least. She, matter of fact, I think they've gone so far as to say that she could be. Well, no, no I, was, I was about to say they've developed that she might be the most. Right. But but I think if I'm into mistaken, it. The first, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the first issue kind of teases that, um, you know, or at least that the the other students are just like she can't do anything, or something like that. You know, no, I'd have to no, go back have to now. Back and, yeah, six issues back. Right. You know. Yeah. And see, I can check that out. So but that's what I recall. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, not exactly, uh, you know, ugly duckling to a swan, but definitely, you know, kind of burying the lead there, at least, you know, initially. Right. And again, some of the stuff they've, they've uh, kind of some of the mysteries or at least one or two. I feel like there's still another mystery or two up in the air because like there's a couple of other students that have had some mysterious things since then. But that's even come out on at least one of them. Um and we still don't necessarily know that uh, an event that happened in this issue. Uh, well, we have no reason to believe that it doesn't have anything to do to do with Em and Emily and her powers or or whatever her range of powers might be, but also might be something else that might be going on. You know, with uh, with a connection to her and one of the other students that was involved. Uh- yeah, I was about to say the April twenty one 
solicits actually don't have an issue of Strange Academy in it. So there might be a skip month. Ruh-roh. No, because yeah, if no, you think about it, we definitely had anything, a couple but... of those, at least one of those, right. um, since uh, publishing has come back for Strange Academy. We haven't gotten a steady um, uh, schedule. It's yeah. more than likely just an art thing. But you never know. They might be catching up to. You know, they may. They may have to uh, catch up with uh, King and Black at some point. That's. I was going to actually mention that um, because this is thankfully a book that hasn't been touched by by King and Black. And and yeah, being that you said that, I was like, yeah, that was something I was thinking about. Uh, that may or may not be the case. Uh, I'm kind of hoping not, but at the same time, I know King and Black is line wide, so it, it, it's. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable if it does happen, happen. But I imagine even if they do, it'll probably be like like because even like Fantastic Four is just about to hit it. Yeah, next issue. Mm-hmm. Which we will get, which we'll probably talk to after uh, in a little bit. But uh, that being said, I guess we can move on. But yeah, Strange Academy is good. Uh, it's still early on to where you can pick check this out uh, if you have mm-hmm. any sort of interest in this uh, in this book. I say absolute you know, potential click of the week for me this week. It was a lot of fun to read. Mm-hmm. And uh, you will probably hear me say this again in an upcoming uh, uh, show that we're doing. Um, yeah, this, this is a book that needs more eyes. Definitely. Uh, that being said, we shall push on to. You want to do Shang-Chi? Sure. Shang-Chi, number five, the last issue of this miniseries. It's written by Jean Luen Yang with art by DK Ruan and Philip Tan and colors by Sebastian Cheng and uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So uh, Shang-Chi, uh, Sister Dagger, and Brother Saber take it to Sister Hammer. Oh, it's so, it, it, you know, it, the just the way that kind of rolls off the tongue, right? That's essentially where we start. Um, you could take us forward. I was about to say, it kind of sounds like the start of a joke, but no, not really. This, this is pretty much what happened. Mm-hmm. Sister, uh, Sister Hammer, who is uh, Shang-Chi's actual sister, or I guess uh, adopted sister, or um, yeah, that's, I think that's how they, it's not blood relatives. No, I, I was about to say, I think it's half. They are all blood, all of them are blood relatives. Are they? So that, that was my, I was kind of wondering about, yeah. Through Zhengju. Okay. So uh, that was... I was the part I, I I was not connecting then if that was okay because I was it was like because it made because especially which we I guess we'll get into because some of this has been kind of um kind of mentioned in past issues about the relationship between Sister Hammer and uh, Shang Chi, um mm-hmm. and in relation to their father, but I wasn't sure because I feel like it 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 they made some some things saying like nah she's just like you know uh. Maybe I don't know how to go back and read it, I guess, but she, she it didn't make it seem like she's blood and more like she's like adopted or something like that because of you when know, her begins over the But like I'll go back and check that out for stuff. Regardless, like Agent 70 said, they pretty much, uh, so Sister Hammer has pretty much started uh, attacking London with a bunch of uh, Jiangxi uh, zombies. Uh, and, uh, you know, and MI6 is trying to, um, trying to, you know, uh, defend, which, you know, they're not doing that great, but they're doing. They're doing about as best as they could, and then here comes Shang Chi and, and crew on a helicarrier. 
that, um, as I said in my notes, I was like, well, if if, uh, if T'Challa could do it for for Wakanda, why not uh, Shang Chi and whoever you know, whoever this the uh, the master was with this um, this custom helicarrier that they come riding in on, which I can't see them doing a figure. I mean, a uh, uh, um um a model of, but say they they probably should. Between that one and the the the, the Wakanda helicarrier, but that's just me. Um, but regardless, uh, they come in and it ends up being a fight uh, between you know these zombies, which that parts kind of gets uh, dealt with fairly recently. But also, uh, Shang Chi's fighting not only just the zombies and Sister Hammer, but also his injuries from the zombies that he accrued um, at the beginning of this miniseries. Uh, but that ends up going, uh, being the thing that actually helps save the day. Um, but as I say in my notes, it's like, yeah, uh, at the end of it all, they pretty much, um, <laughs> they, they end up fighting their daddy issues and all is almost well. Right. Um, and this definitely lays the groundwork for, at least in my opinion, this lays the groundwork for the movie in the broadest sense mm-hmm. because they are definitely not going back to Shang's um, or, you know, main origin. Um, we're definitely going with the kind of rebooted origin that, that, that was, uh, um, that, that was created in the mid 2000, you know, in the early mid 2000s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and now uh, they're refining it, you know, giving, you know, giving um, uh, more, uh, depth to that story of of, of Zhengzhou being, you know, uh, a more modern crime lord. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, and um, what was I going to say? Well, it also sets up because uh, we do know from news articles of the past uh, six months or so or whatever that there's going to be another Shang Chi book coming down the line. I believe it's a one shot, but still. But they also tease at the end of this issue that uh, Shang's going to return. It might be another miniseries, Correct. probably, probably uh, timed closer to whenever the movie hopefully comes out. So. Well, see, that's the part I was thinking because I was wondering, like, is this setting up for that one shot, or is that what you just said the case? Mm-hmm. Like, that's I, I think it's more stuff. likely that they're setting up more than just the one shot because I think the one shot. Um, I think the one shot is obviously there for additional um, exposure, but at the same time, you know, it seems unlikely that they would say, you know, that, that they would tease something like that at the end of the issue that he's going to return um, and just follow up with a one shot. Right. That's just, that's just my, that that's my uh, opinion. Hmm. So best case scenario and ongoing, but I, I, I don't know. I doubt that's going to be the case. Sadly. Yeah, I was about to say in I was about to say in this environment, unfortunately, I think they're starting to to uh, to to uh, resort to limited series of the six to twelve issue variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even though this was not one of those, you know, or they do like multiple shorter ones like they do here, or or Black Widow. Right. Um of that kind of variety, which they have done the same, same thing. And she's also, uh, um, excuse me, coming out with a movie at some point. So, 
who's to say what the uh, the behind the scenes um, decisions are on that kind of stuff? Well, outside right. of the it's fact, funny. That, I was about to say it's funny that you know, growing up, we never thought of you know thought of things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Never had to. Yeah. yeah, we've been we've been doing this show for long enough during this particular climate and environment in the comic book industry, where sometimes those are the first thoughts that come to mind. Sadly, yeah. Um, you hate that it's the case, but this is this is where we are with it. Yep. Um, in in good ways and good and bad ways, because like I said, there are some. I feel like there are some decisions that we would probably love for them to have that they probably are not going to. In relations to movie to comic book, um, you know, synergies. And as a matter of fact, it have not had in the past. And if we think about like the way they did Black Panther. Uh, even though that did end up coming back, <laughs> right. so it's 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 a weird thing in how they treat some of their. All right, we do get. I was about lesser, I was about to just just to just, I was about to, say, to mm-hmm. I was just going to say just to add, supplement what I was uh, mentioning earlier. It looks like we get an issue of Strange Academy in March, but not April. So it's probably just a. a a scheduling thing so sure and maybe one that we hadn't hadn't seen any news on if they if it's something actually newsworthy rather rather than just a skip month because they need to catch up right and i know there's been a couple of those for for other books for other reasons especially like i know those are probably coming up next month and now that i think about it that, that i remember seeing some stuff about um for reasons that i actually we might actually get into uh in the news section Regardless, uh, that was Shang Chi number five. It's overall, I think I enjoyed this um, this miniseries. Like the the wrap up to it and the resolution, kinda all, all told was like it was like yeah okay sure that's you know part of it ended up being um, you know yeah yeah we should have known that was that's a, that's how that was going to end up put it that way. But I think it effectively sets up a new status quo. Right. You know, it gives him, it gives Shang a little bit more of, uh, uh, so it gives him a little bit more substance to work with. It does, obviously, as we've said before on the show, echo a little bit of what Brubaker and Fraction did with Iron Fist by giving him, uh, you know, uh, giving giving Iron Fist's um, backstory uh some 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 depth and, and and additional characters for the Marvel universe um as a whole to play with so that's something that uh Gene Luen Yang has done here in the Shang-Chi just in this one miniseries mm-hmm. and done well i think well at the end of the day it, it it draws on the original idea of um uh uh, uh Shang Chi's main nemesis being his father, right. but but creating, you know, creating that additional, um, you know, kind of, you know, it's definitely a play on the original uh, Yellow Claw. I hate to say it, but you know, the original Yellow Claw now Zhu, uh, you know, it's obviously based on on, on that original concept of being a, a, a Chinese nationalist and even a you know, a nativist and even a a, a, a a traditionalist to an extreme degree, right. and really taking that and 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 extrapolating some concepts that really made some sense, you know. And now we've got like this whole, uh, you know, this whole 
you know nest of characters that he can draw upon, that anyone can draw on. So, mm-hmm. but I'm but I'm hoping I'm kind of hoping if it, if they well whoever does I'm hoping that he's a part of it. I hope so too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, that's 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 that, and um, like I said, we'd look forward to whatever they. Play. Oh, I was going to also say, hopefully, we can. This is goes um, a far enough away that we can get rid of the stink of Shang Chi one twenty six. <laughs> I try to forget that. I try to too, but sometimes it comes back up, and this is you going... keep bringing it up. I try to forget it. <laughs> Looks. You, you you can't just forget your history. You gotta you gotta the good and the bad. You gotta take it for what it is. But this, this it's is it's unfortunately on Marvel Unlimited, so it's hard to forget. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, you can <laughs> flitter past that. But regardless, we're gonna go to another book. Um, if you want, you got one you wanna throw out there. Uh, X Men Seventeen. Is that the natural point? Because I feel like... Okay, never mind. Well, that's fine. What's that? No, because I was about to... Cause, so I don't know about how you read this week's X books, and you know they still kind of have the... They, while they're oh, not in, in order. chronological order, but they, you know, because they, they're not really placed one after the other. Like, you can, you're at the point now where you can kind of read them pretty much any order. Right. That's the way I. That's the way I choose to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that this week uh, it, the, the 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 reading order was New Mutants fifteen, Excalibur, Wolverine, and then X Men. According to the back of the book, right? But right. they don't have anything to do with each other. So because I've read it, um, I think I read Excalibur, New Mutants, and and, and X Men. I read X Men first, just mm-hmm. because you know I pulled this book. And I wanted to see where they were going because I knew that this issue involved uh, space adventure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess we can cover the X uh, corner of the Marvel Universe and then maybe go into rapid fire covering the rest of our Sounds books. Um, this issue is written by Jonathan Hickman with pencils by Brett Booth. Uh, shout out to at TimDog98. Uh, inks by Adelso Corona. Uh, colors by Sonny Go and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is actually another potential click of the week for myself. In this issue, Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Storm are called by Deathbird. I want to say of all people, but yep. if you are, if you've been keeping no, but if you've been keeping up with the Shiar or the Shiar, you know, gotta love pronunciations. Yeah, we still haven't um, really come down on that one yet. Yeah, uh, at the end of the day. Either way implies, you know, it gets gets the point across. We're talking about a particular alien race in Marvel, uh, in, you know, in Marvel uh, in the Marvel universe. Um, you know, they're called by Deathbird to help solve the kidnapping of the young majestic Zandra Niramani. In you know, just to fill people in on what's been happening in uh, Shi'ar space, that Kalark. Uh, or Kalark, otherwise known as Gladiator, the Praetor of the Imperial Guard, has stepped down from ruling the uh, the, 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 the Shi'ar Empire in, in favor of going back to uh, being just the Praetor of the uh, Imperial Guard, uh, instead installing or having the uh, 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 young Jandra uh, or Zandra Niramani uh, take the throne. Uh, with Deathbird as a as a counselor, 
Um, and uh, apparently there is some, uh, there's a plot against uh, the, uh, you know, against the throne by uh, a, a, a race of, um, a race of aliens that, you know, you know, obviously the, the Shire have been portrayed, you know, at times being somewhat neutral, maybe a little benevolent, maybe a little bit, you know, uh, malignant, <laughs> you know, uh, a little bit uh, malevolent, depending upon, you know, the, the needs of the story, but it's an empire. So that means there are, uh, are, worlds and, and and alien races that are kind of uh subjugated you know as a result of their empire building and one of those races the stygians or the stygians the St- uh, stygians but yeah i don't know right exactly these are one of those things that without uh someone from marvel giving us uh um uh the word on how to pronounce it we're just going to to kind of fumble along uh, they they decide to uh, make a move against the crown because they're tired of being pooped up uh, pooped upon like uh, Triumph the insult comic dog. So um, Deathbird makes a call because uh, you know, remember she's still connected to one sunspot, which is and, the, which is the craziest thing still to me because I because it took me halfway in the middle of this book because she, she when she mentioned her early, early on she didn't call him by name and I totally forgot. Oh right, that's a thing that happened back in New Mutants, right. Right, 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 right. And, uh, you know, she makes a call and uh, two members of X-Factor, I mean, yes. Cyclops being gray in their <laughs> X-Factor costumes. I'm like, I, really? I, I, was, I was hoping you was going to mention that because I loved the hell out of seeing that. I was like, whoa, that was wild to see, man. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and Storm, you know, she basically calls, you know, three of the most powerful um, X-Men to come and, and, and run uh, the, um, or at least head up the investigation into the the, the kidnapping of, uh, of the uh, the empress, and or the empress in waiting, and you know they 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 basically make their way um, through their investigation and 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 come up against uh, he's a he's apparently a priest of the right. Stygians or the Stygians, right? And, he's basically and, a zealot, so. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's a lot of really cool action in this. It, this definitely looked and felt like a 90s X-Men issue. Very 90s, somewhat 2000s. And obviously, Brett Booth being uh, behind the art uh, has a little bit to do with that. You know, Sonny Go on colors, you know, obviously keeps things consistent because um, uh, Sonny uh, colored lots of Lanil uh, use art. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I sent a message. This is a little bit of back channel stuff. I sent a message that Tim dog 98, uh, probably didn't get to see yet today, but, um, he's an acknowledged fan, an acknowledged fan of Brett Booth. And while, you know, I, I've never been completely enamored with his art. I think his art here is really strong. And I wonder if it's, uh, no thank, uh, 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 thanks in part to that is, uh, the inks of a Delso Corona. I kind of feel like, so there is one panel in particular uh, where things start popping off and you see a particular bolt uh, strike one of the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the bad guys and, and you get a little, uh, 
a comment between Scott and, and Aurora talking about um, <laughs> was that you or me basically? And it's like oh, oh, yeah. hard to tell. And I feel like part of that might have something uh, that might have been a halfway nod to the art, but I doubt that very seriously. But it was just funny how how that played out. But it was cool to see. Because yeah. it's like they, oh, they, we've got we both had the same idea, so voop. You know. Uh, but yeah, that that being the case, though, um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say Shi'ar because 90s X-Men 1 and 2, That's it just feels logical to me. I don't know. <laughs> Is that what they say in the cartoon? That's what I was going to ask. I want to say they do, but they may also, that might be one of those things like they do in uh, Clone Wars where they go back and forth like Twi'lek, Twi'lek, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, now that makes me want to go back and check. <laughs> because I feel I have, like listen, I, I definitely have not dove I have not uh dove back into uh 90s animated X-Men since um it's hit Disney Plus. So this might actually be worth a little bit of research right. um to uh, to take a look. And cuz remember I told you like last year I was doing a rewatch of it and I had I finished that last year, but you know, the, so it's like I'm slightly more familiar with it than than when the whatnot. And I was actually gonna the reason why also why I bring up the Shiar is also because one, there was a plot against the throne that wasn't started by Deathbird. Because classically she was the one uh you know trying to wrest the throne from her uh sister Lalandra, whose uh, right. whose mother Zandra is. Um uh but and now once again uh she is counsel to the throne and you know kind of go through those these motions which i admittedly i I enjoyed this issue uh much the same like uh, agent 70 did and also i don't know if this would count but the first couple couple of pages may uh have some just slight hints of uh, hickman mumbo jumbo to them that may not be the case but you know read them it was kind of like yep here's this is this is definitely a hickman book (laughs) <laughs> with, with the oh sure book. so and you know hickman being the the shepherd of the the xbooks uh you know the current xbooks now or you know between him and uh you know the, the other folks writing but nevertheless right this is also i was about to say this is also hickman touching upon some of the stories he told revolving around cannonball um smasher exactly. and sunspot Back when he was doing um, uh, the expanded Avengers roster, mm-hmm. so that was uh, nice to see Hickman uh, bring them back into the fold. And obviously, there is a gate, a Krakoan gate. And my notes, I made sure to note that uh, uh, a Krakoan gate makes it easy for Cannonball and Sunspot to spend their time on both Chandelar and Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which it seems to be going one way with with them on that because like every time we've seen them, it's pretty much been which right it makes sense because Cannonball and his family are you know on Chandelar, uh, and the X Men you know the Krakoans got a foothold into that because of uh, an earlier book bef- uh, before an earlier thing before, uh, well before like the the uh, Ten of Swords stuff. No, I was about to say it's one of the earliest gates that they established, right? If I'm not mistaken, Correct. so like early on in X Men books, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, speaking of um, getting a foothold or, or some of the other, so action happens. Um, you know the the R three X Men, which we've proven, you know they can hold their own to a certain point, but also you know Smasher kind of gets into the fray with the Smasher Core, as I, as I tend to want to call them. Mm. Um, 
this particular set. Well, that, I was about to say that's another. Con- I was about to say that's another concept that uh, I believe Hickman introduced about the Super Guardian program. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't right. think that originated in the X pages, you know, in the books of the, in the pages of the X books. So I believe that came up in uh, his Avengers work. That sounds about right. Because that's when Izzy, who was the, the super guardian and, you know, the head super guardian basically. And, you know, uh, you know, one of the protectors of the throne, you know, comes into play. Um, and yeah. And meets up with cannonball and starts a, starts a romance. Uh, but yes, definitely all of that kind of comes out in, in Hickman's uh, Avengers book, which is still a great read, by the way, if you uh, haven't checked that out, you know, the stuff going into uh, infinity and beyond, I was about to say, but that's not, the one. <laughs> that that's a different, that's a different uh, franchise there. Um, uh, but there was something else I was going to say, which I'm oh, the voting. Yeah, yeah, I was going to get that out also, but there was something else I was going to mention about the um, the the action and going into it. And oh, there we go. Um, because of the events of this issue and you know what happens, which seems weirdly out of it's not necessarily out of place, but we know there are some things that's going going to happen uh, this year with Storm, like a big supposedly a big thing surrounding her. But we come to find out that because of her, you know, helping save uh, Zandra, that she basically gets a favor that she can call in on at any time that she wishes. Uh, and they, they seem to kind of put that, make a note of that, like front and center. Oh, yeah, they make a point of emphasis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, we, like I said, knowing that we know that it's going to be a thing, we figure that, yeah, that's definitely going to be, uh, that favor is going to be called back in on, at some point. Uh, probably at some point sooner rather than later. I'm not sure because I'm not sure when that whole thing's supposed to start. But I know they did say this year for that big storyline with her. Uh, and we also know that she's trying to leave the trying to leave Krakoa. So we don't know what what if anything has to, to do with that. Um, All right, going forward. Uh, right. So. Uh, just lastly, what I mentioned earlier about the vote, uh, the vote for the final member of the first X-Men team on Krakoa is now live. It actually started. It actually went live um, technically yesterday, uh, January 27th, and re- will remain up until midnight, February 2nd, uh, Eastern Standard Time. So, you know, at the back, you know, you'll see it on social media. Uh, Roddy Cat probably has it in the news. Sure do. Uh, that uh, uh, that uh, you know the, the the ballots are out, and uh, you can vote uh, online at marvel.com forward slash x men vote. So yeah, there's an interesting group of folks, and but we'll we'll get to that later in the news. But there's <clears> an interesting good group of folks uh, for the last member that you can vote on. Some have already been on the team. Some are I don't think have ever been on an X Men team. A couple. That I think of. Um, but we'll see how that goes. So that being the case, we can push on to new Excalibur. All right. I was about to say after this, we'll do rapid then. Okay. Oh, I forget. We're going to just, 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 just do the X stuff. Uh, I was about to say a lot of X books. Yeah, it's only we'll a couple. Do, we'll just do it quickly. But, um, Excalibur, All right. Excalibur uh, written by Teeny Howard with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by Tom Muller, not from someone at VC. Go ahead. Wait, Excalibur? Yeah. 
Oh, you talking about the uh, Tatamoto doing the, the for the um the overall oh, um thing? I'm sorry, I doubt that the the letter was from VC. But regardless, um, so yeah, so in this issue, uh, we come to find out that Betsy Braddock uh, of the six one six apparently is very much alive, but has been displaced to another uh an, another timeline i guess or another dimension whatever the case may be um and which is weird because i was like okay so i'm thinking about what happened to this universe is the, the she ends up oh place. my apologies it's vc's ariana mayor right that's what i was like wait as the letterer because tom muller was the design right. oh that's a that's a i i i uh i skipped over a name there look at that Right. So VCs all over the place. They definitely are, and actually, I want to look into that some because I'm like I'm curious about how that came into into be. Like I know they have companies where they 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 do do things with, uh, but I'm I'm slight slightly curious about how that works. Um, but anyway, so um, Betsy Braddock, we uh, we found. I was about to say VC is I think uh the studio. Right. But that's what I'm saying. It was like I wonder how you know how that came about and how that how that actually goes in it's chris, it's chris eliopoulos's lettering studio oh, virtual uh virtual calligraphy oh, i didn't that's know the, that mm-hmm. well that's cool yeah what has he been doing uh he's been writing if, if i'm not mistaken that's probably why he put a studio together to uh for letterers mm. Yeah, because I was like, because I've always seen the letters and I never knew what that was and who was who was involved with it. So that's actually good to know. So thank you. Um, but back to Excalibur number seventeen, Bessie Braddock uh, that we find out is very much alive, but she's in another um, an, another uh, dimension, uh, timeline, multiverse. You know what I'm saying? Reality. Reality. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, where you know she is the queen. Um, but we just don't know what happened to the other version of her, even though they do kind of mention, you know, uh, in her trying to get back to the, the, this reality or the, the, I guess the, her main reality, I guess just to say, um, how the other one will come back. But regardless, uh, we also see, um, uh, the other members of X factor basically trying to move into the lighthouse um, you know, because they figure, well, she's if if Bessie's going to be coming back, then she'll probably be coming back through the lighthouse. And sure enough, that that's ends up being the case. Spoiler, uh, but it's still a good enough read that you should check it out. And we get some um, Pete wisdom. I don't know for for later Excalibur fans who I was never a big fan of we, uh, Pete wisdom and him being in Excalibur, but it is what it is. Um. But uh, we kind of find out that one of the human factors are have uh, have a beef because you know, well, Captain Britain's not around, and you know, it's one of the magic people, right? Exactly, the, the British magic people. Because remember, that's definitely played a big part in the pages of Excalibur uh, mm-hmm. from its inception, from its uh, relaunch here in um, the dawn of X going into reign of X. Right. Specifically so, human magic people. Cause that's the, definitely the, the distinction that, uh, it gets played up. Right. But definitely magic people and, and the magic that, that emanates in and around, uh, jolly old England. Mm-hmm. So, 
So yeah, so that so that factions were like, well, we don't have uh, Captain Britain, and just like uh, and they would if if um, if Brian was still around, they would like yeah, they would try to put him back. Which but we've come to find out the the reason why he wouldn't do it is the reason why you know because you know people have been having a hard time accepting uh, Betsy one because she's a mutant uh, two. I feel like there's an underlying because she's a woman because, you know, but that might be, you know, speculation on my part. Regardless. I was about uh, to say, they are led by the queen after all. And speaking of queens, um, it turns out, did you mention this, that Betsy uh, uh, has been uh, transported as a result of what happened with Saturnine in uh, Ten of Swords. Mm-hmm. She's been transported to a reality in which Betsy ends up being the Queen of England. Right, another and, version of her was was uh, right. was made the Queen. And 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 we you know and and uh, you know we get uh, you know we get the outpouring of uh, of love from um, from the from uh, um, the royal subjects. When it's implied, well, when when the story is given that uh, uh, the queen isn't feeling all that well, right. um, what ends up happening in, as as Roddy Cap mentioned, um, Betsy's making her way to the uh, traditional lighthouse, which in this particular reality has been transformed into something else, mm-hmm. into a British, you know, British intelligence basically, and. She is trying to make her way there with the aid of one Quanon. Um, and uh, hijinks ensue uh, both in between in. them and, bet- and and on their mission to uh, get Betsy back to the point, I guess, the, the nexus point of all realities, you know, uh, or at least of uh, realities that the that the uh, that the captain that Captain Britons can reach uh, other world through. Right, and actually, yeah, and that became about through the through uh, Warring Worthington of that uh, of that reality, who apparently um, is, let's say, quite friendly with the Queen, uh, but also um, was the ex of Quanon of this reality, which he apparently can't stay away from a Psylocke. <laughs> I was about to say, it's the, I was about to say, it's the other way around. What isn't it? Isn't Quanon the current? No, and and Betsy's the ex. No. No. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, oh, that's around. Funny. Yeah, because because Quanon even you know even makes a a, a note to, to mention something about that, but um, but no, uh, yeah, Warren. So Warren's a little friendly with the with the Queen uh, of this the Queen version of, uh, of of Betsy in this one, and you know we know from in already well and quote unquote our reality that uh, um, Betsy and Warren has had some. Has had some romantic uh, ties to each other, uh, but yeah, in this reality, it was Quanon's the ex, and the queen, the, the 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 Betsy queen of this reality is the one he's. Um, but there's you know because he's American, there's like there's some issue there in this reality. But we also find, come to find out that in that reality, that um, things are a whole lot better for mutants because obviously you know Betsy's the queen, and the prime minister, who is also Pete Wisdom, is queen is the prime minister. Uh, so mutants fare a whole lot better in this reality, sounds like, than in in England. In any of them, so, yeah. 
in England specifically, that's right. that's one thing that they stress is right. that uh, England is it turns out to be the safest uh, country for all mutants. So right, but between this that realities, Betsy and the Prime Minister, they drew up a saying, you know, knowing I guess full well that there's a multiversal um, thing behind it. They drew up a thing that we get to see data pages on uh, about any other Betsy's coming through to, or I guess anybody else, but I guess it seemed like Betsy specifically um, coming through, trying to see how different theirs are or trying to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. come there to, for, for, for respite, I guess, or, or whatever it's going to be basically trying to get away from their reality, you know, into this new one. And it was like, nah, don't do that basically. So we get to see data pages uh, on on that kind of interesting uh, on that stuff, and I'm kind of wondering if they're gonna if that's gonna come back in some kind of way. Um, I'd kind of doubt it, but you know, it's it's all it's kind of interesting the way stuff stuff like that gets brought up. But to to, to end up the the last part of um, of um, this book, um, yeah, we we get uh, X Factor on our, in our reality trying to fight this, uh, the human magic folks until Betsy ends up coming back at the end of this issue. Um, and I know this is from, well, definitely from solicits that this is leading up to something. Because even I said in my notes, reading the first couple of pages, like, why does it feel like there's another body swap coming? And I felt like halfway through here, that probably was going was going to happen unintentionally, but it didn't, thankfully. Um, cause that would have been weird to kind of go back to doing, but they do kind of mention that, which caused some level of irritation for the quantum of the, of the reality. But also I feel like that's, that's, uh, partially of what we see coming up in the solicits, uh, for April, there's going to be a thing that's going to happen in that and, in and uh, forthcoming issue, uh, in a couple of issues. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, so I guess since you, you, you wanted to kind of get to rapid fire, cause I guess, I don't know. How we got a lot of books to go through. So, and we read a lot of the same stuff. So, you know, we could go, we could go on and on about some of them. Okay. So in, face, so in, uh, in the interest of getting through literally four X books, hmm. um, you know, we've already gone through two, we've got two more. So, uh, let's spin this up and we can talk about, uh, the rest of the books that we have on tap this week. Rapid fader, folks. Right. So, uh, as Roddy Cat mentioned, there are two other X books that uh, are in the, the reading order, <laughs> and um, uh, I'll let him cover New Mutants. It's written by Vita Ayala with art by Rod Rice, uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and uh, you know we start off with the Shadow King's machinations. Yeah, pretty much. And there's really not much to say about that. So there's a, which the timing uh, of this between coming, this and coming out of, um, of, of uh, Ten of Swords is kind of interesting because obviously it says at some point in here, it's just, uh, there's some, some, um, some time has passed, but there's a big party for Doug and his new wife uh, after their honeymoon had already happened. Um, and that's a celebration of that, but at the same time, there's also, you know, the, the, I guess the OG new mutants have been tasked, um, partially and do their, their own thing, uh, to 
train up the younger generations in how to use their powers and synergize with others of their uh, uh, other young mutants, you know, so so they can get some team ups going on and whatnot and kind of bond with each other just in case uh, whatever, whatever happens. And obviously just kind of keep them sharp and keep them busy uh, specifically because that was the whole impetus for this. But uh, so we see some a little bit of training going on, but we also see, as uh, Agent Seventy said, some some Shadow King uh, machinations going on in the background with some of the younger uh, kids. That's seemingly brewing um, going into the the end of this issue, uh, with a couple in particular. Um, but there's also like the the the, the big party that's going on for for Doug and them and. Uh, in that, and there was an interesting part where, uh, well, interesting to me part where, you know, Scout, who is the little sister of um, um, X twenty three, aka the 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 all new Wolverine, who is not Wolverine anymore, um, both being clones of Wolverine, so it it is what it is on that. Um, feel a little left out because of you know of Dokken, who is another clone of Wolverine, you know, one that you want to spend some time with, but he's trying to, uh, you know, get some X-Factor, get some X-Factor love from uh, Aurora. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's that. So there's a couple of things that, and I'm like, I'm kind of funny how that's showing up in this book, but I get why, but also I'm like, I'm not sure if that's leading to something or that it has something connected to what's going on with the Shadow King stuff. Um, that part is don't know because it seems I feel like that should be an X factor and not here for some reason. But again, we also know that you know all of the X books are kind of blending together parts of themselves. Um, but also, we also find out that uh, Rain is having a moment because she wants her her son back, who is apparently uh, not with us. And you know, there's a whole little moment with that between her and Danny, and um, some other things that are kind of uh, brewing in this book. But I still, I'm still been enjoying it, um, and um, you know, wherever this this Shadow King stuff is going, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of issues. So you want to go ahead and do the other book? Yeah, uh, don't think I have anything to add. Oh, I do have something to add on New Mutants number fifteen, actually. Mm-hmm. So you know, Reigns struggles because she's she's having an issue with the resurrection protocols regarding. Spoiler alert, but not really her son. Right. So what I said, yeah. I'm like, son, these are issues of X Factor. I definitely did not read. You know. Uh, also, uh, Cosmar, that nightmare mutant that uh, that that kind of had um, uh, a story arc dedicated to kind of uh, you know her introduction and 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 uh, dealing with the scope of her powers. Looks to Danny Moonstar, another kind of dream slash nightmare powered mutant to possibly solve her, you know, admittedly, you know, I, you know, I hate to be flippant about it, but a tough look by going through the crucible, by going through the crucible. So that's, I think, another uh, story thread that's going to be picked up on in the near future. Right. Uh, oh, that uh, might, I suspect some of that might have something to do with uh, the Shadow King more than not. Possibly. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, you also, you know, th- th- that's kind of like an old story amongst, uh, you know, amongst uh, the X books and the mutants, especially, you know, we all remember the Morlocks. Right. You know, 
the the mutants who weren't uh, fortunate enough to uh, possess powers that did not change their outward appearance. So, um, you know that 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 definitely brings back that particular um, uh, aspect of uh, mutation. But uh, moving on is uh, Wolverine number nine, written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Kuber, uh, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I actually enjoyed the story a lot. It's a good story involving a Team X flashback and an auction in Madripoor of superhero artifacts. Um, the Team X flat, Team X flashback, if for those of you that don't know, uh, revolves around um, Wolverine's time as a brainwashed member of uh, uh, of a secret agent hit squad with Maverick, who is uh, a key part of this issue, and Sabretooth. Uh, one thing I would note is that this issue's cover actually has a scene that plays out in the book. So contrary to what we always joke about in terms of covers not necessarily paying off what's in the book, this one actually does. And it's a shocking cover, and uh, you know it's not too much of a spoiler to reveal because it is the cover after all, but... It can it, it reflects the severed hand, the severed right hand of Wolverine. And the reason why I bring that up specifically is that my first thought is that, oh, that's the hand from Age of Apocalypse Wolverine that has found its way into the Marvel 616. But it is the right hand, whereas the Wolverine in uh, Age of Apocalypse lost his left hand. So that kind of torpedoed that theory I had right away. But this was a fun issue to read. Uh, lots of, um, you know, lots of uh, cool action and just really well done graphic storytelling from uh, Adam Kubert that 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 uh, really uh, entices uh, entices a reader to flip pages to to see what's going to happen next. So basically, uh, saying Wolverine is a Star Wars character because, as we know, the people get their right hands cut off in the Star Wars universe um, of a particular line at that uh, quite often, or at least often enough. All right, in a sense, because at the end of the day, this hand also has adamantium and claws, and that's what's a little weird, you know. So. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's being auctioned, obviously. And and one of the, I I wanted to mention before we move on, one of the underlying, uh, uh, one of the, the, the deep background stories that are being, that that's being pursued in the pages of Wolverine is the vampire nation trying to replicate his healing factor. Cause that was one of the reasons why he was captured uh, earlier on in the pages of Wolverine and one of the reasons why the vampire nation has taken an interest in him. So gotcha. All right. I think that covers the X books for the week, but we did read, we both read similar books. So let me uh, continue rapid fire with um, some more books. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 58 uh, written by Nick Spencer, pencils by Marcel Ferreira, inks by Wayne Foucher, and colors by Maury Hollowell with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is a follow-up on the Sin Eater's effects on Martin Lee, a.k.a. Mr. Negative. Meanwhile, Spidey goes to Liz Allen and discovers little Normie Osborne knows more than we thought. 
Uh, Spidey gets to cut loose, cut loose against Negative's hard to kill minions, and a possible tease. This is my conjecture here: a possible tease of Kingpin's goals, possibly matching his goals, or pa- matching the Kingpin of the Into the Spider Verse movies' goals. I don't know if you caught that at the end of the issue. Uh, yes. Uh, I did actually. Um, and yeah, that's definitely a thing that has come up in, in, in Marvel history or in some way, shape or form anyway, um, in, in the past. So I can't say I, I was surprised by seeing that, but yeah, I did definitely notice it. Um, I don't think I have anything else to add except for the, I think I say in my notes that, um, uh, and I was being kind of flippant about this, but, um, Newark or stopping the road, you decide. Because you know we see some, we see some. Uh, uh, we basically see Martin Lee comes back, uh, and they're they're in some in some form. Mister Negative and his demons come back, so which means that Peter is battling his demons. <laughs> mm. uh, and, you know, and obviously this is all playing off of you know this is all related to the Sin Eater stuff that right. uh, Spencer started in the in the previous arc. Right, but we also get a nugget from uh, talking about the Kingpin stuff. We get a nugget into the potential origins or of um, of uh, Kindred at that. Right. So that's pretty much all I had to say. All right. Next up is Daredevil number twenty six, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Caketto. I've heard that pronounced that way, so I'm going to adjust my pronunciate uh, pronunciation. Uh, the art is by Marco Caquetto and uh, Mike Hawthorne, with inks by Adriano Di Benedetto, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is an official King in Black tie-in. Uh, Matt is in jail and discovers that the warden actually has a vendetta against him. Dun, dun, dun. And Null's forces put both Matt and Electra to the test. Uh, next up is Fantastic Four number 28. I believe Roddy Cat read this as well. It's yep. written by Dan Slott with art by R.B. Silva, whose name I'm going to forever burn into my head because that's the name I could not recall as being the other artist on Hoxpox, in addition to uh, uh, Perez, uh, to uh, uh, whatchamacallit, to uh, Perez. Oh my God, I can't believe his name just popped out of my head just now. But. Um, uh, colors by Jesus Abertov, uh, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, we get at least a temporary resolution to the current storyline with the Griever, uh, wanting the Forever Gate. Uh, Jesus Abertov plays it a little coy with the coloration of the surfer in this title, um, in this issue, that is. Uh, this happens before King and Black, which explains the surface appearance here. And next month is the King and Black tie-in. Yeah, um, we yeah we, yeah that part was kind of weird to me because it was like okay we know that the, the current things with the Silver Surfer is still in play, but yeah the coloriz- colorization doesn't really lend itself until you see uh, a couple of panels or at least one specific panel where he's like phases through stuff. It was like okay yeah this, this is definitely that. Which there yeah, was no reason they definitely they're that. definitely playing him. I was about to say they're they're definitely coloring him darker than they normally would right. if he was silver. So that's how you know I, I I had to come up with the word for it. I was like, oh, he's just playing coy with it. He's kind of like, eh. right. 
and I've just taken to calling him Silver Surfer Black. <laughs> just right, exactly. You know, that's the, I mean, you know, he's not yet the Fallen, but he's definitely Silver Surfer Black as the as the uh, Donny Cates title, uh, you know, uh, told us. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, so that's Fantastic Four number twenty eight. Uh, let's see here. Next up is. I believe Roddy Cat also read uh, Future State Dark Detective number two. I glanced it, yeah. It's written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Dan Mora and colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Aditya Bidikar. Uh, we get more information about how Bruce is driven underground by the magistrate. Meanwhile, we see the extent of the police state. Uh, the additional extent of, or the, maybe close, maybe not the full extent, but we see uh, the further extent of the police state established in Gotham. Yeah, we also get to see um, how Bruce survived his death, quote unquote, right. his death. Because there is that whole big thing about that part. Um, right. We still don't know, which also brings up a mystery of who is, which I guess this was a, a, a mystery that was already there, but who Peacekeeper number one, uh, who's under that mask. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Continue. So, uh, last for me is The Other History of the DC Universe number two, written by John Ridley, layouts by Giuseppe Comancoli, and finishes by Andrea Cucci. Uh, Coochie Coochie. What was that la- the, the lady's name? Charo. Charo! That's what came to mind exact, uh, <laughs> you know, when I read this name uh, the first time. Colors by Jose Villarubia uh, and letters by Steve Wands. Uh, the story of Mal Duncan and Bumblebee, a.k.a. Karen Beecher Duncan. Mal Duncan had a lot of uh, hero uh, identity. So, you know, like Hornblower and uh, the second Guardian and whatnot. Um, but they were both members of the Teen Titans. And this issue looks at their perspective um, with regards to the relaunch of the new Teen Titans essentially without them. And uh, what I was telling Roddy Cat uh, prior to the show starting is that the reason why I read this one in depth is because, you know, this is very close to my heart because the New Teen Titans was one of my favorite books as a kid growing up. It's one of those books that I filled in when I got older and had money and was able to locate back issues to to really fill in my collection. But uh, I look back on those issues fondly. And, you know, there was a time when New Teen Titans or the New Teen Titans was the biggest book that DC had, you know, pre-crisis. This is the this is on par with the X-Men over at Marvel. And uh, having read the New Teen Titans, uh, the the uh, the the Wolfman Perez, the original run pre pre-crisis, they bring up the fact that uh uh, Mal and and Karen are around, but they're out of the superhero game. That's sort of how they uh, 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 they're treated uh, as part of this new relaunch, and that's essentially what happens to them. But it's interesting to see the, uh, you know, their perspective on this, their views on the story, as uh, you know, you know, from their point of view, in as it's told here in the other history of the DC universe. So, um, I read this and really enjoyed seeing it from their perspective because they are not characters all that familiar to me, simply because of my age, simply because I came of age reading this as a young kid, 
you know, reading the New Teen Titans as a young kid, these characters were introduced in the 70s, uh, you know, before my time as a New Teen Titans reader, as a Teen Titans reader. So uh, it's interesting to see from their point of view what that particular relaunch was like. And that's it for me. Yeah, I'm uh, as I told uh, Agent Seventy before the the uh, show. I'm, I definitely plan on checking this issue out because um, the first one was good, but it was it was about a different. It was about Black Lightning uh, focused. Uh, I just hadn't gotten a chance to uh, check this out and just yet. Yeah, so it's it's definitely been an interesting read. Um, it's on DC's Black Label, so um, they they do have. Uh, a larger page count, so it does take a little bit longer to read, right. but it's still, I think, a pretty interesting read. And and like I said, they definitely touch upon a lot of the new Teen Titans stuff that I remember fondly, and it's really interesting to see things from another, from their point of view. Cool. Uh, for me, I only have a, a couple of other books left. Uh, one being Savage Avengers number seventeen. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Kev Walker, colorist uh, Java Tartaglia, Tara, Tar, Taraglia, excuse me, sorry. Uh, lettering by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, Conan and Deadpool, Deadpool, uh, excuse me, Deadpool team up in this King of Black tie-in, which, you know, checkmark your, your bingo cards on all of that, uh, that somehow ties into what's going on in the book. And we still don't know when this book is ending or if it's actually ending anymore because we do know this book was slated to end at some point around this time. So I don't know if they reversed that decision or this might be the last couple of issues or going into the last couple of issues, I guess, because they still hadn't really hadn't tied up the the uh, the main thing going on right. in the book, and that was with the whole Quillen Goth stuff. So, but they kind of took a break from that to 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 put some King of Black in it, and like I said, we get this actually kind of amusing uh, team up between Conan and Deadpool, and apparently Conan wants uh wants uh wants to let's say emulate uh, Wolverine. At a certain point. I don't know if you plan on reading this, uh, 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 Agent 70. I flipped through it. I, he wants the sneaky knives. Right. I saw <laughs> I was. So I, I found that kind of funny. So and I don't know if that's going to actually go anywhere, but, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll see. But also there was a Dread, uh, Judge Dread reference that almost happened. And we get introduced to a new character called uh, the Night Flyer, uh, who's this kind of. I feel like this is some kind of slick talk, almost Lando-esque um, slick talker, but the wings he has who, uh, seems kind of familiar, and I can't remember who is. I, know, I guess like the, the, the wings look like they're like old shield issue wings or something, not necessarily Falcons. Um, so I would imagine we were probably going to get some more on this person at some point. We don't know. Um, there's also a fridging com- comment and uh, because it's a King and Black issue tie-in, that uh, Conan is being propositioned for something along those lines, let's just say. Um, and I believe my last book is Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number four. Just rolls off the tongue. A story by Sean Murphy and Katana Collins. Script by Katana Collins. Art by Matea Scalera, uh, colors colors by Dave Stewart, letters by And World Designed, 
Uh, and that's that. And my notes basically say, holy Batman 89, Harley, because there is definitely some, like this, in this world, there was definitely some shades of Batman 89 in it already, but it, it didn't necessarily go the same way. And I'm saying that because a particular version of the Batman uh, shows up, has showed up in one of the earlier miniseries that was more Batman centric. Whereas this is I was about to say, uh, I was about to say Batman and Batman, Batman 89 and Batman returns is the second one, right? That is correct. Because yeah, I, I, I flipped, I flipped past both. Yeah. I was about to say, I flipped past both of them on Showtime the other day. Right. Which I guess will, yeah, there'll be some slight news on that in, in the news section. Um, speaking of, but, uh, regardless, yeah, there is this, let's just say there is some Batman 89, influence in particular to um a flashback uh dealing with harley and the joker um uh but harley goes to talk to bruce about quimby's infatuation of her uh because there's a character named quimby who's like a um i guess he's a he's a he's not necessarily a profiler but he works uh with the the police or something like that and he does have some sort of an obsession with harley not unlike her obsession was with classically with the Joker to a point. Uh, and this got recognized uh, in, in the last issue, but um, old em- enemies come, uh, excuse me, more old memories come up, which is kind of going back to what I was just mentioning uh, prior to what I just said, but Quimby and Duke fall for the producer's trap, who is the main, I guess the main bad guy in this miniseries. And Harley is caught by Starlet, who worked, who is working with the producer for, you know, reasons. And unsurprisingly, this has something to do with Quimby, Quimby at the end of this. But we will see where that uh, comes into play. I have said before that I really like this version of Harley. Um, uh, and and I've also loved the setup of this world and this world's Batman and, the, you know, the the Batman and Joker thing in this one. So, you know, it's still tied a little much to the Joker, but it's also kind of understandable. Um, but at the same time, I, I will definitely say that you should definitely check this out. Like, yes, it's an Elseworld, Elseworld um, universe, but still, it's some good stuff. I I personally believe, you know. Uh, that being the case, uh, we can go on to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the week. Uh, so we don't have any. Actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, we definitely don't have any other clicks from the other guys because for whatever odd reason. So we're all we're back to our old tricks. Yeah. Um But to be fair, in one case, you know, they had something they were they were dealing with, so we can't we can't really fault them. Definitely, yeah, no fault of their own. So Uh, 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 let's see. Uh, I definitely have some potentials this week. I can tell you that X Men Seventeen was a potential. Um, uh, Strange Academy number seven was a potential, as well as uh, I think I had one more. See if I can narrow it down a little bit. I think I had Fantastic um, Four on mine as a potential. I forgot to mention that. What's that? I think I had Fantastic Four on mine as a potential. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. No, I think those are my. Was two. it X Men? 
top books this week. Strange Academy number seven and X-Men number 17. I'm actually going to go with X-Men number 17 just because it felt like such a retro fun issue. Mm. Uh, everything from the art to the uh, the kind of fast pace of the story as well as the little bit of comedy involving um, uh, Smasher and Cannonball and, and, and Sunspot over the phone, over the video phone. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, X Men number seventeen for me. Yeah, Hickman. I'm, I would I would be shocked if at some point um, Hickman did not do a, uh, a a a basically a book with them too. I would be actually shocked if that never because you know, like I said, like we said earlier, you know, he's he threw him into the Avengers, you know, and, and definitely kept some of that fun that is you can that is seen here from that started back then like obviously they were already best friends well before that but still that a lot of that kind of came to the forefront during that and still kind of plays out here uh thanks to hickman so like i said i would be very much shocked if, if that didn't happen that didn't happen but i know he's also probably got a good bit on him i don't know or maybe not actually i don't think he's writing that many books he's just writing x-men uh but regardless, you know. Um, so you said you're going with X Men 17. Yep. I think. I really did like Strange Academy number seven, though. So. That's one of my potentials. And I think I dare say, uh, well, I said Fantasy Four was one of mine and kind of Shang-Chi, actually. I'm like, yeah, the, the part of the way it ended was a little like, yeah, okay, we, we saw that one. That, that was going to be the case, but it was still good. Uh, that being the case. Um, New Mutants was actually pretty decent, but uh, in Excalibur, but you know, so I'm think I'm actually going to go with, actually, I will go with Strange Academy. You know, I love that book. I really do. So Sounds good. That being the case, uh, we can push on to the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into... The news. And we start off with the cinematic news like we do every week about this time. I was just going to say, actually, now before I forget that I did kind of mention Savage Adventure was kind of weirdly fun. And I'm not even a big fan of Deadpool, but that whole the the team up uh, between him and Conan was, was pretty amusing. All right. 
Uh, cinematic news, and I will dare say that this is a little WandaVision heavy uh, at the top of this. So, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Exactly. Uh, starting off with WandaVision's dinner scene hints at some hints at Scarlet Witch's upcoming disaster. Uh, Are you caught up, Body Cat? Huh? Are you caught up on WandaVision? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, just checking. Oh yeah. Uh, there, yeah, I can definitely say like that. You know, because they're smaller bites of episodes being 30 minutes or around 30 ish minutes, I guess, because I'm a little, a couple of one of them at least run a little bit longer than like that. A little more, a little less, right? Yeah. They, they pretty much move. So, uh, you know, it's not hard to kind of keep track of them, but also I will go so far as to say that there is a lot of speculation and theories going along with, uh, WandaVision. And even before that, cause obviously when we knew this was going to be things, we were like, well, what are they going to do? You know, mm-hmm. outside of a couple of the opposite obvious things, um, but there is definitely a whole lot of theories and um, uh, um, you know such going on when there's only three episodes and another one set to drop uh, within a few hours of this recording. Excuse me. Apparently, one will yeah you know, we'll get get, to get into also. Um, speaking of. So in the first episode, um, you know there was a there was a dinner party between Wanda, the Vision, and um, that seventy shows Deborah Rupp <laughs> and uh, her husband, uh, Mister and Mrs. Hart, uh, as they go by in this um, in this uh, show. Uh, and the thing happens, which I won't necessarily get to, just in case you're not caught up. But you know, a thing happens, and. Uh, some would say I'm trying to slightly dance around this. I don't know why I'm, why I'm doing that so much, but basically a dinner party happens. A thing happens that Wanda kind of calls vision into, to, to uh, doing that seems to kind of break quote unquote break character. But right. it's also a really strange and weird moment that probably would have been seen in um, visions, uh, Tom King's uh, Tom King's visions, uh, 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 miniseries in a way, although that you know, I've seen allusions to to uh, what to that miniseries has to do with uh, Wonder Vision, but I can't see it fully. Like I get some of it, but some of it's kind of feels tangential. But because this is definitely taking taking um, some directs from some comic stuff but kind of uh, floating around others and maybe possibly, at least in my theory, is uh, uh, having to do with one has nothing to do with Vision or Scarlet Witch in a way. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how that plays out. Regardless, so um, apparently according to this article that um, that dinner scene that happened may hint at uh, some breaking of Wanda or some circumstance uh, coming out of that, let's just say. Next up. Uh, speaking of some of the stuff that um, Roddy Cat was referring to, uh, WandaVision actor uh, Deborah Jo Rupp um, says the choking scene was the most fun that she had. Um, you know, that, that, she's had, that she had on the show, maybe. Um, it took some time for uh, her to nail it, but she loved performing it. Uh, she says, quote, well, first of all, it was the most fun thing I've ever done, ever, 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 quote, unquote. Rupp said when asked about the scene in an interview with Collider, 
It was doing two things at once. It was very challenging, she says, which she loved. And the director was extremely patient because she kept going, wait, what? You want me to do what? No, I don't get it. Wait, what? Gotta love it. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Indeed, indeed. And as I said, the Deborah Drup, most people will probably know from as the mom from the Dead 70 shows. But she's she's one of those like, oh, yeah, I've seen her in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> So, which, by the way, um, I will go so far as to say this because I don't have it in the news, and I'm uh, and, and I forgot to put it in there. Um, rest in peace to Cloris Leachman, who has recently passed. Um, I know a lot of places are saying, you know, like yes, yeah, you know, from a lot of Mel Brooks movies like Young Frankenstein, whatever. But Cloris Leachman has been working, like has, and you always knew she was there when she was working, whether she did, uh, you know, live action stuff which was a lot of her stuff was and she's been you know working for a long long time apparently um i couldn't find out she was she played um queen hippolyta in the pilot episode of the the 1970s um wonder woman show i saw that picture that was pretty pretty cool Mm -hmm. and i remember because i watched that episode for relatively recently when that stuff got onto um um i'm um probably well dc universe but now it's on uh um, HBO Max. Uh, so yeah, amongst a lot of things, apparently I come to find out there was a Gen 13 uh, animated uh, movie that never came out here that she was also a part of. But like I said, Clara Leachman's been across, you know, she was, she took over Facts of Life. She was on Love Boat. She did, you know, she was working up until like this year, I want to say, or last year or something like that. So she was always working. Mm-hmm. But, um, shout out to a legend, you know, rest in peace, definitely also um, to her. Uh, next up, WandaVision commercial invites you to find the goddess within. Now, so they've been putting out the commercials that are, um, on, they've been putting out the commercials that happen within the show out on YouTube. Uh, so this is the latest one, uh, probably up until the, the, the next episodes, uh, drops and that happens sometime later. Um, and the the in show commercial is basically a spin on Calgon, which uh, probably a lot of people <laughs> currently probably don't know too much about because Car- Calgon was kind of an old seventies, uh, early eighties thing, you know, like basically it's ba- basically bubble bath. Uh, and the reason why I bring this up is because uh, obviously with it, a lot of other things with the show that. Um, you know, there's it's referencing something, and of mm-hmm. course, by the name of this thing is called Hydra Soak, so you know that what that's probably about. But also, the tagline for the commercial is "Find the Goddess Within," which um, a lot of people are taking that this may have something to do with uh, Wanda's uh, how she basically her getting her powers in the MCU, um, because as we know from the MCU, she got her powers from Hydra and the um, the, the Cosmic Cube. Well, was it the Cosmic Cube? Cause, yeah, because it was the Scepter, the, it was Loki's Scepter that they had. But also, they were saying her powers are pretty much mimicking a lot of the uh, the, the stones. But that's oh no! Oh, oh, whatchamacallit, it's not the not not the Cosmic Cube. Her powers come from uh, uh, the Mind Gem that's in Vision. Wait, really? Yeah, because it was in the the mind gem was the uh, the staff was Loki's staff, and that's what they used to give Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver powers, or at least activate their powers. Sure. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that um, that's what that's what Hydra has. That's what they're looking to. Uh, it's Loki's staff that they're looking to liberate, right, from Hydra's hands, and, and that's what they have to use to experiment, right. So, and I couldn't remember which stone it was on that that came through, but but also there's parallels to all the other stones that that are mm-hmm. that seem to be coming out in Wanda's powers, or at least by theories and whatever. Because regardless, so uh, this commercial is pretty much. Um, I mean, what I was going to say, just in, 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 in tangentially related to that, is look at what happened to Carol Danvers. You know, um, it's uh, I forget which stone gives her uh, uh, her powers, but I don't think her powers are uh, completely related to the stone that that grants her hers. Wait, Carol Danvers? Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. Yeah. You know, I don't, um, cause I figured that was still steeped in her original origin in, in a Marvel way. Cause I thought that was still a psychotron stuff. The second magnetron. Right. But yeah. if I'm not mistaken, it was based on the radiation from one of the, from one of the, um, the infinity stones. Now we're going to look cause it's been yeah, a while since I, I watched the movie. Cause I totally so. don't remember that one, but yeah. Um, while he's doing that, uh, but so just to finish up. So yeah. So the hydro soak is pretty much, a uh, um, it's basically saying like, yeah, this that's uh, playing on pretty much how Wanda got her powers, and the find the goddess in you in that is also saying that this could be a nod to all of that. I'm also postulating this is my only thing, and I'm probably wrong about this that might possibly have something to do with uh, someone that has that showed up in the Vision and Scarlet Witch minis twelve issue miniseries, and that being the intent. Enchantress, mm-hmm. because there has also been some illusions with uh, Agatha, um, Agatha Harkness's role, or the person that we will that we know that's probably playing Agatha Harkness, and her role in this, and uh, the brooch she has on, and that kind of stuff. Again, that's spitballing, and it's probably totally wrong. Uh, but I'm kind of wondering if the Enchantress is going to show up at some point. Uh, within this uh, series. I kind of doubt it, but it would also make some sort of sense uh, in some kind of weird way. I mean, it's a weird place to introduce her, but you never know. Right. I mean, yeah, but this is a weird show that's probably going to just introduce like a few different things. So, that being right. the case. Next up. Um, hold on. I'm just looking this up now. Uh, well, it's the Tesseract that's in Captain Marvel. So, which is the Cosmic Cube, okay. Right. So, I'm trying to see, because she, uh, yeah, the Tesseract is the power source of the engine. So, that's where she gets the, that, that that's where she gets the power from. The engine that blows, the, the engine that, that explodes and she basically um, uh, uh, absorbs that. Mm. Through her half-Cree DNA. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And some speculation as to well, in well, actually, never mind. We won't because we that, that's another thing that's uh, that we'll talk about that 
we'll probably find out when the next episode of Wild Edition <laughs> happens. Well, I was about to say, Captain Marvel's due for a rewatch for me, uh, uh, according to the binge mode uh, rewatch. Uh, yeah. Right now, we're up to uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. We just wrapped uh, Infinity War, so um, definitely up to that now. So like I said, I'm due for a rewatch to, to refresh my recollection. Indeed, it sounds like I could probably use one too, but whether that happens or not, we'll see. Anyway, next up. We up to? Uh, 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 oh, okay, confirms. so you did Goddess Within, right? Yeah. All right, WandaVision actor confirms show's placement in the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. We talked about this, I believe, last week, but just to reaffirm. Well, we talked about it after the show last week, but yeah. Right. Actor Tiana Paris uh, has answered a question that some people have had. She states that uh, the Disney show uh, WandaVision picks up pretty much right after Avengers Endgame. She told TV Line uh, last week confirming its position in the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. Not a big surprise. Nope. But I guess, you know, this. judging by what we know, I guess based on what we kind of know... Or what is being what is being teased in some other articles that's probably coming up, like we that may or may not have something to do with Doctor Strange. I guess that is, is telling, but not necessarily telling of some of the placement. But we'll see. Next up, though, uh, speaking of Tiana Paris, Tiana Paris studied Captain Marvel's young Monica Rambeau actor for her role in WandaVision. So. Um, when uh, Tiana Paris was studying for the role, she said, um, uh, when I started to do my character work, I definitely went to the comic books on my own and I am still mining through the, through who she was in the comics. Talking about Monica Rambeau. But uh, uh, she also says, I also looked to uh, Akira Akbar's performance in Captain Marvel and what she brought in because uh, young Monica Rambeau showed up there. Um, obviously as a child when you grow up you change you can be totally different than when you were in a child but I do think there's elements of who we are uh, as young people that remain with us Uh, not only that but the relationships we have with those who are in our lives so the relationships uh, that she had with her mom Monica uh, Maria Rambo and or uh, Carol Danvers Carol Captain Marvel how do those relationships influence her so that is another thing and uh, uh, that's another reason why I brought this in uh, just as a new story because I believe I said last week I can't remember if it was during the show or not the fact that you know we know we knew Monica Rambeau was going to be in WandaVision we know that uh, and hopefully this is not a spoiler for anybody but we know that she's working with S.W.O.R.D. Uh, we know what S.W.O.R.D. is in the comics and we also kind of know what S.W.O.R.D. is in the MCU which seem would seem kind of weird that she's working with them but it could be what i just read that the uh, tiana Paris just mentioned may have play uh into why that is and obviously since the fourth episode of wandavision is about to drop we'll well there's a good chance that we'll probably get a little bit more on that there mm-hmm. about why uh why she's there so yeah so that's a cool thing next all right. Uh, probably related to the same interview, uh, Tiana Paris also uh, gave some insight uh, into the, her role and spoke about the possibility of her character following the path uh, taken in the Source comics. Monica Rambeau, she says, has held many monikers over the decades, and she thinks that they've all been really special in a very particular way. She doesn't know how or who she will be in the MCU because uh, when she tells you she changes names um, and she kicks butt in all of them. It's true. 
at least as far as Monica Rambeau <laughs> that we know and love. It's, anyway. Um, so yeah, we will definitely see how that, that plays out. And there's also the rumor that she's supposed to be getting her powers in WandaVision that in some of our speculation that she already has because of what happened in the last episode, but I kind of doubt that. Um, well, she might be one of the, one of the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the powered operatives, but you would have thought that she might've used it to defend herself. So, you know, we'll see. Right. Well, yeah, I I don't. It is not known that she would have had her powers by by now because I feel like they would have made a bigger thing out of it if that were the case. Um, at some point, but yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even know. Uh, keep, keeping it moving, one division clip introduces more MCU stars to the show. This is uh, an extended clip for the again the the episode, the next episode that is coming up uh, in a couple hours of this recording, which so we won't really go too far into that. Uh, but it definitely says that the pick the clip picks up after the events, like directly after the, the events of uh, the last episode of WandaVision. Uh, and we'll looks like we'll be introducing some folks that we knew was going to show up in this mm-hmm. series. And that's all I'll say about that. Next up. Right. I was about to say, it's nice to see some returning actors. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say something else, but I would, probably would have been a little wrong for saying that. So yes, I'll, I'll leave it at yeah. that. So uh, WandaVision again, uh, Scarlet Witch's lullaby receives an English translation in the subtitles to the sh- to, to the episode, which I did not realize. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go back, and I mean, I did see this news uh, article earlier, so I think maybe before I watch. Uh, this week's episode, I'm going to pull up uh, episode number three and uh, watch the lullaby again because um, uh, let's see here. What does it say? Uh, the lullaby remained a mystery uh, until some viewers noticed that Disney translated the lullaby into Portuguese for the show's subtitles. Ah, okay. So she sings a lullaby in um, the made-up Sokovian language. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to the direct, the lullaby is short and sweet with Wanda lovingly crooning to her newborn twins. Naturally, the lullaby contains an Easter egg or two that any dedicated fan will pick up on. Most notably, most notably, the lullaby hints at Monica Rambeau's eventual hero status. Really? So I have a problem with that because I don't feel like that, that's you, the case. I was say, have you seen the translation? Yes. In fact, so uh, I watch, I tend to watch shows with the subtitles on anyway. So um, I was definitely watching this and I definitely saw that. I'm, I, I get the Monaco Rambo. Uh, is it translated into English? Uh, yes, I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Actually, you know what? Now why I need to talk, go back. I was like, why are they talking about going into Portuguese? Because it looks like, it looks like, at least according to. Uh, let me read this article in full, not just your right. little excerpt to see. I'm curious now. Right. Well, let me rephrase, let me rephrase that. So I remember, like I said, I watched shows and it was subtitled. Actually, I don't remember um, if it translated out the same in the English uh, in the English subtitles. Now that I think about it. Oh, I see it now. Okay, so it's in the article. 
Right. It's an article. Right, so it's, it's translated to, I waited for you and this day has come. My heart became a home full of light, full of light. Okay. Again, I kind of see it, but I don't see there. But this article is postulating that this has to do with Monica Rambeau and part of that don't seem right. Because as so as you know, the lullaby was for her twins, you know, that she had last of spoiler alerts. Yeah, I was about to say Wiccan and uh, Hulkling. No, 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 Wiccan and no. uh, what's his name? Um, it's Tommy and Speed, Speed, but yes. Yeah. Tommy, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yes, and of course it plays out just like it did in the, in the comic books because they, they did definitely use that part of the, the, the miniseries. Um, or partially in part of, because obviously there are some things that, you know, are very mm-hmm. differently. But the, the like I said, they're... This article is kind of tying it to Monica Rambeau, and I don't see how that is the case. Although, sure, we know Monica Rambeau's powers are are light based, so I guess that is an easy take from that. But I feel like there's probably yeah. I was about to say I call them speedy. That's that's wrong. It's actually speed. Yeah, yeah. Speed is that other the the distinguished competition, <laughs> right? He's the he's the former drug addict. Now arsonists. Indeed, so. indeed. So yeah, so that's that. Um, and um, uh, yeah, that, that's where the, the the lullaby comes in. Next up, uh, Wanderer Vision introduces one of the Eternal's most important powers. So again, I feel like this is kind of some speculation on the article's part, but it, but also sure, why not? Uh, Transmutation, one of the Eternal's most important powers, has just been introduced early through WandaVision. Uh, This is one of the many abilities shared by the Eternal's in Marvel's comics. Um, It's one of the reasons why the Eternal's are considered to be amongst the most powerful. Again, this is an article, a writer, uh, speculation, speculating all of this. Um, But yeah, given that last uh, episode of WandaVision had a lot of transmuting going on, this is where this article is kind of bending this, but taking it towards the Eternal for some strange reason. Um, Sure, I guess. But yeah, that's that. Next up. So Elizabeth Olsen has come uh, out and said that WandaVision episode four, which is coming out this week, will answer some of the Marvel show's mystery. Um, She says... Um, in the interview, I don't know where this was initially, uh, this might've gone out to the press pool. I don't know where this was initially reported. Um, she says that, uh, she I thinks think the reason why fine. they showed the press, the first episodes is because episode four is quite a shift. It's a really fun perspective swap. And she thinks a lot gets understood at that moment. Okay. But and I think I put a note in the notes by saying that you know they don't really send a whole lot. They don't, as far as I know, they don't send whole seasons of uh, of screeners to folks. And as far as I know, and the couple of people that I know have gotten some for for other reasons or for reasons, they only send out at least two or three. So that's I feel like that's neither here nor there because yeah, you like I'm surprised they gave folks three honestly because uh, like I know I've seen or heard of people getting like two. For the first couple of shows, and then from there on, however they do, however they do. So the fact that they got three off of this was was uh, was interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see if, if what she's saying about what episode four has brings to the table is true, because it definitely does seem like it after the events of last uh, that last episode that there's going to be a change. So next up, though, 
uh, WandaVision writer won't confirm or deny a season two. So uh, WandaVision head writer Jack Schaefer is reluctant to confirm or deny the possibility of a season two. Uh, WandaVision premiered earlier this month. We already know this. We already know where it picks up. Uh, but also, this is the first installment that introduces MCU's Phase 4. We kind of already knew that. Um, but according to The Hollywood Reporter, the, this Jack Schaefer is not interested in confirming or denying a second season for the show. Rather, she emphasizes the importance of focusing on what's happening right now in the MCU, which I kind of agree on. Because, you know, like, why are we talking about season two when this this hasn't finished up yet? Uh, she explains that uh, that's how things work at Marvel, one thing at a time. Um, and actually, I'm not even sure. Now, granted, it's still kind of early to tell, like why uh, season two of, of WandaVision even would be necessary. Because I figure, like, if this goes the route of going, you know, doing whatever it's going to do to to lean into that next Doctor Strange movie, and quite possibly, as some folks are saying, that Spider Man movie. Um, I don't know why I would need a season two, but I know such things happen. Anyway, that's that. Next. Next up, um, you know, I would suggest going to our show notes and and, and taking a look at this article Mm -hmm. that has a list of every Westview character who might have links to the comics. It's a little bit lengthy, but I would suggest taking a look at that and let that feed your um, speculation. Agreed. Next up, MCU Multiverse Connections will appear before and after Doctor Strange 2, says Kevin Feige. This is is the thing I was kind of alluding to a a minute ago. Uh, According to uh, Kevin Feige, we all know who he is at this point. (laughs) Don't call him Marvel Studios president. Don't call him Marvels. (laughs) Just call him Kevin Feige. Some people might, so they got to do that. Um, But anyway, connections to the multiverse will appear in MCU before and after Doctor Strange 2. Uh, the title of the next Doctor Strange movie is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Badness. So that is our biggest clue that the movie will embrace uh, the multiverse and the madness therein very directly. Uh, Feige said in a recent interview with uh, that site who will, shall not be named. Uh, there are, as we always like to do, connections before and after that, which will remain to be seen and discovered. Uh, but it seems appropriate that it would be Doctor Strange that takes that on in the most direct way. Uh, end quote. And of course, you know, Feige being cagey as he tends to do, um, yeah, that this is pretty much all we got until that plays out, until WandaVision and that movie plays out. Next. All right. Star Wars The Last Jedi includes a hidden tribute to Han Solo. I want to say I spotted this when I watched this in the movie theater. Uh, A brilliant Han Solo Easter egg in Star Wars The Last Jedi has reemerged thanks to a social media post and a reply by director Ryan Johnson. The opening of the second movie in the Star Wars sequel trilogy sees the Resistance taking the fight to the First Order and its flagship Dreadnought. Among the attacks is a large-scale bombing run. On one of the bombs, an alien language is written. Its message, Han, says hi. It's something that has sporadically been brought up in the past but has found new prominence thanks to um, 
Ryan Johnson uh, tweeting uh, something regard uh, regarding this. I did see the lettering. I did not know it said Han says hi. Right. That's what I remember saying. I think that I'm in the same boat too. Because yeah, because that was kind of one of those things. Like, okay, that seemed like something I should. Because there's obviously you know translation of Avarish, which I believe that is that that it is, which is the, the language, the basic language of Star Wars. Um, alert! <laughs> but i never really got around to uh translated them definitely because you know you know you think about a lot of things when you come out of a movie <laughs> god especially that one anyway In, indeed and so next up though uh star wars voices support for high republic host uh christina Ari- ariel uh, we do not stand for bullying and racism so as uh star wars or as a subsection of Star Wars fans tend to do when change happens and or when a person of color gets a, uh, a, a, a something that they don't appreciate, then they just go stupid. Of course, you have that in, in every uh, uh, fandom, sadly. Uh, and it's usually those folks. But the official Star Wars Twitter account has issued a statement in support of Christina Ariel, host of the Star Wars The High Republic show, which just started, now that I think about it, uh, within the last couple of days... Um, after she was subjected to targeted harassment online, uh, and unfortunately she is no stranger to, to that, uh, being black and a woman, um, our Star Wars community is one of hope and inclusivity. The tweet reads, we do not stand for bullying and racism. Uh, we support Christina Ariel. And there's been a lot of other people, um, you know, uh, of a, of a certain profile that has also come out in, in support of her and some people even taking it a little bit, little, little far than, than necessary, but you know, it is, it is what it is on that one. So, uh, but it is good to also see official, you know, uh, official backing of, uh, of things of, of this nature, you know, next up. Yeah, see, seriously, people are idiots. Um, and in one, in, in this case, you people is meant the right way. Um, <laughs> Pixar's new shorts are a quarantine experiment that redefined how the studio works. I don't know if you had a chance to watch these. I Not actually yet. sat down and watched them. They were pretty funny. Mm. Uh Pixar Popcorn, a new batch of 10 shorts premiering on Disney Plus, the premiered on Disney Plus, brings back some favorite Pixar characters in bite-sized stories, like literally only like a minute or two long, from the cars of Radiator Springs, um, challenging each other to a parallel parking contest to the superheroes of the Parr family, zipping around the house doing chores, the shorts encompass a wide range of quirky slice of life, slice of life vignettes set in the worlds of the Pixar films including the new Pixar feature, Soul. So it, it was fun. Mm. I mean, Pixar is no, no stranger to doing shorts like this, but these came up uh, as a project. And of course, during, you know, uh, COVID-19, that makes things a little bit, actually, well, it doesn't make it that terribly hard for them, but also, but uh, but still presents a challenge in, in certain aspects with, uh, even within this stuff. Uh, so yeah, I've been actually, I, I've been meaning to watch these, but I just haven't. Uh, just yet, but like I said, they're they're Pixar is no stranger to doing like little short films uh, or little shorts based on their properties before this. But you should definitely check out the article if you are you know, interested in to how the the idea came about. Um, 
and I'm just going to move this over here. Next up. Um, pardon me a second. Boop, 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 boop. Here we go. HBO Max launches a dedicated animation hub for curated content. Uh, so in the last few months, HBO Max has acquired plenty of animation content from such sources as Cartoon Network and Studio Ghibli. Uh, the streamer now has launched a dedicated animation hub for curated content. HBO Max uh, announced the newly created animation hub on Twitter. Um, uh, and you can see the, the, uh, the Twitter, uh, the, the Twitter, the tweet in question right there. Uh, and also says animation hubs see up to 85% lift in number. Okay. We don't need it. That's, that's a little in the weeds. We don't really need to know about all of that, but yes, they, they're, they're getting eyeballs on it. We get it. Uh, so there's that next up. Next up, I just took a look at the spillover news sheet. It doesn't look like we have um, anything in here about the actual uh, trailer that was dropped. The Godzilla versus the the Godzilla versus Kong trailer. Wait, I thought it was in here. In addition to this footage. Oh, is this different from that trailer? Right. This footage. Oh, okay. Uh, Right. Uh, so, so I, I, I guess I'll cover the two of them together. Yeah. Um, the footage that's revealed uh, is that of uh, King Kong and a girl reaching out to one another with the tips of their index fingers connecting before the film's title card appears. Should also be noted that during the scene, Kong is in chains and has a collar on his neck, indicating that he may end up being captured at some point in the film. So uh, the the trailer that dropped for this definitely uh, portrays uh, uh, that part of um, that part of the speculation. It confirms that part of the speculation in that it's it appears that uh, Kong at some point is uh, 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 what it? Um, he's captured and sedated. So that uh, they can transport him to combat uh, Godzilla, who is allegedly on a rampage, and that gets things started. Um, there's lots of speculation as to why Godzilla would be uh, doing such a thing after two movies. There's also speculation that it, it's not Godzilla. So um, we'll see. Um, obviously, they have to do everything they can to make it a fairer fight, so they give Kong a weapon. Uh, the weapon has certain properties to it, which I won't spoil. You have to watch the trailer. All I have to tell you about which team I'm on is. <laughs> yes. Um, I was, I was kind of liking what you're, what you're alluding to um, being somewhat like a certain thunder guard. But also because as you see in the in, in the trailer. Oh yeah, there's a lot. Of, I was gonna say there's a lot of people that made that comparison yeah. uh, to the end to 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 that club to that uh, uh, big scene from Infinity War. Mm-hmm. But but also you know some of that was um, you know sparked on by uh, one of the protagonists. So there you go. And yeah, I will put uh, probably put another. Um, I'll have to find it actually. A, a, another link to the actual trailer because I didn't, I thought that was the actual trailer. Um, but yeah, so there you go. So Godzilla versus King, uh, King Kong. That's the thing that's coming, folks. Buckle up. Next up, uh, James Gunn says that you don't need to watch Suicide Squad to understand Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. So that's good to know. 
Next. All right. Uh, new HBO Max trailer, Laid Bare, Warner Brothers, uh, a lineup of movies. They call it seriously impressive. I'm like, really? Uh, coming to theaters and streaming in 2021. Among them, there's a new look at the Suicide Squad, at the Suicide Squad, and a first chance to see Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, before it arrives later this year. Okay. Yeah. Yay, I guess. Um, I don't know. That, that we've talked about that Mortal Kombat one and that the Suicide Squad, I guess. Uh, sure. Something. But speaking of HBO Max, um, hey, here's an article that has everything new that is coming to HBO Max in February. Uh, now, what does that have to do with this show? Well, let's say all of the Batman movies. Um, and also Batman the Brave and the Bold. But also, and this is more important to, to me personally, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited also coming to the thing, which is pretty much rounding out the stuff they're they're scraping off from. Um, well, not rounding out because there's still a whole lot they can take they can get from uh, DC Universe. But um, and I think Aquaman is also coming at some point, uh, and the Matrix movies. Oh yeah, the Matrix movies, Man of Steel, also um, the aforementioned Justice League shows. And I think that's it. Uh, I was about to say, I want to say the Matrix movies were on before. There was a weird time, you know, there was a a point where, uh, I guess because of contractual obligations, a lot of this content started on HBO Max, but then left and now has returned. Right. So as I I alluded to earlier, Showtime, uh, another network, has... um, the uh, the Batman eighty nine and Batman Returns movies on their network right now, but mm-hmm. apparently when the calendar turns into February, we're going to see uh, a lot of those movies return to uh, Warner Brothers Television. Right. Oh, I missed a couple. Uh, the Batman, not the the movie, the Batman, but the I'm assuming I'm going to assume this is the animated show, which I know some people who like. Right, the Batman. Right, but yep. I still need to, to to check out a little bit. I think I checked out like one episode, and also the Static Shock series uh, is coming on the fifteenth. So if you haven't checked that out, you can. Um, and also on a slightly unrelated note, both of the Bill and Ted movies. Excellent. Yay! I was waiting for that. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, there we go, folks. Next. Next up, all right, so Black Lightning season premiere teased an interesting opportunity. Um, it's titled The Book of Reconstruction, Chapter 1. Um, it, hint, it hints at a lingering conflict weighing down on the Pierce family. Um, it implies that a number of plot threads from season three's finale will affect the Pierce family going forward, including the loss of Detective Henderson who died during a fight against the Markovians, as well as strains in Jefferson and Lynn Pierce's marriage caused by her continued addiction to the drug glimmer. It also hints at Peter Gamby receiving an interesting opportunity that could tie into his past as an ASA member. Okay. So, yeah, spoilers for Black Lightning, because I know I haven't kept up with it uh, also. Um, But I I feel like one part of that was a known thing from... A while back, but I definitely did check up on it. Uh, go back to it because that show is actually not bad. That show is actually pretty good. Shout out to Scooter. Next up, though, 
Um, the trailer for the CW Superman and Lois gives us our first look at the DC series. Um, and I will go ahead and take the next one actually, uh, while we're at it. But, um, uh, CBW has released a new trailer for its upcoming DC, uh, Su- uh, Superman and Lois show, and it offers our, uh, as I just said, um, according to this article, it looks like it's going to tell an interesting story. We see a picture of Superman, excuse me, uh, of Clark lifting up a truck over his head by floating, looks in, looking to be on the estate of the Kents um, for some odd reason, uh, which goes into BIP. Uh, there is a trailer that I know has came out uh, around the side of this also, but we also kind of find out uh, sometime this week that Superman and Lois is going to get an extra long 90 minute preview episode, a premiere episode, excuse me, not preview, but pre uh, preview, a premiere episode, which is going to premiere on February the 23rd. So you can go and uh, uh, check that out when that comes uh comes up but it also says let's see it's, it's going to be an extended look at the family dynamic during the series's premiere which the cw has recently announced will be an extended 90 minute special like i said and there will also be followed up with a 30 minute behind the scenes event called superman and lois legacy of hope which will give a glimpse into the season to come and discuss the main character's cultural significance um so yeah there you go and they also mentioned that the Flash season seven was pushed uh, to March second, I guess, because of Superman and Lois uh, premiere. Next, all right. Spoiler alert: Batman, Batwoman's uh, Javisha Leslie reveals of Ryan will struggle with the no killing code. Um, she, uh, her. Ryan Wilder character has officially joined the Bat Team, but now she has a difficult journey ahead of her. In last Sunday's Batwoman episode titled Prior Criminal History, Ryan suited up as the Crimson Knights, suited up in the Crimson Knights suit once again. And apparently, uh, apparently at some point, Oh, they basically just comment that uh, it's going to be very hard for she, – she comments that it's going to be very hard for Ryan to stick to the no-kill code that Luke and Mary put on her as Batwoman. That's it. Okay. Uh, full cast revealed for DC series – DC and Netflix's The Sandman series. Uh, with production well underway for the first season of The Sandman – Netflix has finally revealed the main cast of the DC adaptation. Tom Sturridge of Velvet Buzzsaw stars in the series as Dream, aka Morpheus, a ruler of the ethereal realm known as The Dreaming. The cast also includes two Game of Thrones veterans with Gwendolyn Christie uh, playing Lucifer Morningstar and Charles Dance playing uh, occultist Roderick Burgess. Uh, Narco star Boyd Holbrook will play the Corinthian, a rogue nightmare turned serial killer created by Morpheus. Um, I don't know too much about the Sandman outside of Neil Gaiman wrote it, and a lot of people like that, like it. Um, but outside of that, okay, cool. Next. Uh, thanks to the, the the success of Netflix's The Witcher in 2019, 
Uh, there has been ongoing development of two spinoffs, one of which is The Witcher Blood Origin, set in the continent's distant past. Um, Netflix has now announced, after six months of its reveal, that uh, they have now announced the series' lead. Actor and model Jodie Turner-Smith has been cast as an elite warrior named... Yeah, I'm not going to understand how to pronounce that one. Isle or Ale? Um, E-I-L-E, who possesses the voice of a goddess. She left her clan and uh, her place as Queen's Guardian to pursue her true passion and become a nomadic musician. However, events transpire on the continent that force her to take up her blade once again in what has been described as a quest for vengeance and redemption. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's A-O. Yeah, I'm not sure how how that's pronounced either, so we'll find out at some point. So there you go. Cool. I've still yet to see Queen and Sloan, but it is what it is. Next up, uh, Tomb Raider and Kong Skull Island anime series lands at Netflix. So, yes, we're going to get uh, anime adaptations of Tomb Raider and King Kong. Uh, the descriptions for Skull Island reads, a shipwrecked, a shipwrecked crew, an island of monsters, and one king to rule them all. Skull Island is a new anime series set in the At Legendary's MonsterVerse from Powerhouse Animation. Um, I was like, that kind of threw me off with the uh, with the at symbols there. But anyway, also the Tomb Raider anime series description reads: uh, the most iconic heroine in video games is jumping to animation. Uh, Tomb Raider is a new anime series from Legendary, following Lara Croft after the events of the video game reboot trilogy. So. Cool. Everything's been turned into anime now. Uh, we might be turning into anime at some point, folks. Stay tuned for that. Ha ha. Um, actually, that's probably never going to be true. <laughs> Next up, the Tomb Raider movie sequel, starring Alicia uh, Vikander, has got a new director at its helm. Lovecraft Country creator Misha Green will be making her feature film debut as a director and writer. Green replaces Ben Wheatley, who was on board to direct the movie when it was announced back in 2019. It was originally slated for a March 2021 release, but was delayed indefinitely at the end of last year, which, let's be honest, is not very surprising surprising given the current state of the pandemic. True. Yep, we're still in a panorama, folks. Um, Did you watch the first Tomb Raider movie? Or any interest in it, I guess? You mean with Vic Kander as the lead? No. Yeah. Yes, those of us of a certain vintage. Yeah, exactly. Those of us of a certain vintage remember uh, Lara Croft being played by one Angelina Jolie, and it was a pretty striking resemblance. <laughs> in, in more ways than one. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, they weren't great movies, but they were actually entertaining. So um, I haven't watched this one yet. We'll see. And I guess it's coming to HBO Max at some point. I think it was in that, that uh, thing. I'm not sure. Uh, regardless, I don't know. Check it out at some point. I'm curious. Next up, why did I have to get this one? WWE will move into streaming service, move its streaming service to Peacock in the U.S. Um, so I passed this along to a couple of our uh, wrestling-focused uh, folks in the back channel. Um, so I guess they'll take 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 use of this, but apparently the WWE Network, which is of course the the streaming service, uh, the Netflix like streaming service for 
I guess it's Netflix like uh for wrestling material. I don't know. Um they are moving to Peacock in March, which is NBC Universal's uh streaming service. Um so go figure. It says the US version of the WWE uh network app will be shut down as part of the deal, which the Wall Street Journal is putting at uh over one billion dollars. Uh, the new tag team results in positives on both sides. Uh, I don't really care which one it is either way, but hey, wrestling folks, there you go. You, now you have a reason <laughs> to sign up for Peacock, I guess. Right. <laughs> Next up. Right. I mean, listen, that's a big get for them, I think. Sure. You know, that's a that's a that's a way for them to consolidate, you know, uh, that that all that content, you know, I, I was just looking at the notes that you put into the sheet about all that content. They're going to migrate over right. to Peacock. Uh, you know, let's let's you know, let's be real. Neither of us, I don't think, subscribe to Peacock at the moment. You know, I don't think either of us are that intent on rewatching The Office enough to uh, subscribe to yet another streaming service. But now... Hell, watch the um, office at that, but anyway. What was that? I said, hell, even watch The Office, because I've never actually sat and watched a full season. Well, the reason, why I bring that, the reason why I bring that up is that my understanding was that Peacock had actually put aside or, or, or set up a, a, a separate um, subscription level just for people that want to binge, you know, binge watch The Office over and over again. That was my understanding. So... Uh, with this particular addition to the streaming service, this definitely gives people uh, a strong impetus to uh, subscribe to uh, Peacock and add it as a streaming service that they uh, you know, that they may rely on right. uh, moving forward. Right. Because you know we know what the standards are, and we know what the you know the the standard. Let's let, let's be real. As a quick aside, let's be real. What what the standard uh, streaming service most generally held by the subscription most generally held by the um by uh, by most people is Netflix and that's borne out by their subscription numbers mm-hmm. right after that we're talking about the secondary stuff and some of the stuff that you know people jokingly talk about dropping after uh the Mandalorian ends like Disney Plus or HBO Max which is you know which was rolled out so awkwardly um, that, uh, you know, it just became kind of a, a punching bag for a lot of the other streaming services. Sure. So, well, but, you know, yeah, and but Hulu yeah, is still flocking to it in droves from what I saw from, from numbers because they have well made their numbers up. Say again? I said HBO, uh, from what on article that I saw, which I may or may not have in here, I don't think I do actually, um, HBO Max has made up their numbers well in advance of how what they were projected to. So yeah, the, regardless of how it started out, they've uh, they've definitely netted positive growth. Well, they, yeah, I was about to say, I'm sure the the launch of the Wonder Woman movie helped them as mm-hmm. well as getting more. Um, streaming services more more streaming uh equipment to carry them like uh the fire stick right you know that was uh that was i think one of the biggest uh uh, pitfalls that they ran into so um but uh, in any event our last our last story in uh cinematic news is um apple tv plus has dropped the first snoopy show trailer Snoopy, Woodstock, Charlie Brown, and the rest of Charles M. Schultz's peanut gang 
uh, are back in Apple TV Plus's official trailer for The Snoopy Show. Each episode of the show will consist of three seven-minute cartoons based on the iconic comic series and be aimed at both parents and children aged 4 to 11 years old. The Snoopy Show will air on Apple's streaming service alongside alongside previous original Peanuts slash Wild Brain exclusive programs like the Daytime Emmy Award winner Peanuts in Space, Secrets of Apollo 10, and Daytime Emmy Award nominated Snoopy in Space, which are both now streaming globally on Apple TV+. The series premieres February 5th on Apple TV+. Um, well, one, I watched the, the trailer for the Snoopy show, and it looks cute. I know, it's it's typical Peanuts fair, but focusing more on Snoopy than the rest of the gang, so... It's it's it is what it is. I never watch it because I don't have Apple Apple Plus Apple TV, um, which uh, you know we've talked about it in passing, or, or at least in the past. I was about to say that's one of the secondary streaming services I was just referring to. There is that also, but also the fact that uh, Apple has the uh, has the uh, exclusive rights to Peanuts materials, and therein uh, the uh, the much loved holiday specials therein that are now behind the paywall that Apple owns. It's still a, right. um, exactly. still a bother. I mean, if you think about it, without just anecdotally, you know, Apple TV Plus and Peacock, obviously based on the requirements, uh, you know, based on some of the, uh, the, you know, based on the cost and when they were released, you know, they're kind of lagging behind, obviously, Netflix. You know, next up would be Hulu. Mm-hmm. And then after that come the really secondary and tertiary streaming services that, you know, are, you know, trying to battle up the, uh, the subscribe, the, the number of subscribers, um, mountain. And I'm glad you brought up Hulu because I was going to ask about that, ask about that because one, uh, NBC has some stake or as far as I know, still, I actually, I don't know if they still do, or if they, I know they did, I don't know if they still do, had a stake in Hulu. Uh, and I don't know if they still do. And if I'm, I was going to ask if uh, the office was still in there or whether they just went and took it off and put it on the Peacock, which that would be the right thing for them to do for that situation, I guess. I was about to say the office is now exclusive to um, Peacock. Um, the uh, whatchamacallit. Um, Hulu, I believe, is majority owned by Disney now, but a lot of the other networks still have stakes in it. Right, yeah, because so it was like a joint thing between uh, Disney, uh, NBC Universal, Fox, and you know, and right. ABC or Disney at some point. And yeah, I guess I think Disney's got the lion's share of it now at this point. Right um, after the purchase of Fox, right. So. So there is that. Um, and actually, going back to the WWE thing, like yeah, I'm being flippant about it and. Neither, as far as I know, uh, Agent 70 or I are to target audience for that WWE thing. That's kind of a huge deal, though. Oh, yeah. For all that content within, in, you know, that the, the, the fan base. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. You know, that's a big, that's a big deal. You know, if, it, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's tough to see how the WWE app uh, was able to stay, you know, I, I guess it was inevitable, you know, given the, the, given the, the landscape of the streaming services nowadays, now that everyone's trying to put it out that, that eventually you would see some consolidation, uh, of one of the alleged bigger ones, you know, even though Peacock to me is still not a big one, but it's powered by a big one. Right. It's powered by a big, you know, multinational that, um, 
that uh, you know would be able to afford absorbing it. You know that particular streaming service. Um, you know it's you know it's not a surprise that this would happen eventually. Right. That this might still happen over time. Right, and we also see another like CBS uh, Viacom has definitely done done a similar thing with rebranding CBS All All Access into. Oh, there's another streaming service. Right. Do, do you subscribe to that still? Uh, yeah, actually, I still do. Oh, um, that I, I to, don't. Yeah. Never have. Yeah, because I wanted to catch up on Discovery and a couple of other things. It, yeah, they the 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 offerings in there are you know what they are because there's actually there's been some gems in there that I wanted to, to mess around with. But it, the, my main thing was for uh, Discovery and, and Picard uh, when that came out. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah. you know, we, we, there is definitely a hierarchy in the streaming service world, and you know, we'll see how the WWE going to Peacock kind of shakes that up a little. Yep. Indeed. All right, so now let's move on to the comic book news. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Aftershock uh, announces Girls of Dimension 13 from Graham Nolan and Brett Blevins. Uh, Aftershock Comics has announced uh, the aforementioned Girls of Dimension 13, an all-new series written by uh, the people i just mentioned <laughs> colored by greg wright and lettered by carlos m magnual magual mangual uh my apologies if i butchered your name uh the tech uh, the thing is four young women are brought by a mysterious invitation to a room together in a strange building in mic nolan said the the building is a nexus point a portal to 13 other dimensions uh, a, male- a malevolent force known as Abraxas binds these dimensions together, uh, enslaving them to this will. That's so they that could have used a comma there. Um, anyway, for centuries the the portal has been guarded by a gatekeeper to prevent the forces of evil on the other side from gaining access to the world that we know, to our dimension. Now the gatekeeper uh, and uh, Nightlinger, excuse me, is missing, and the only thing standing in Abraxas's way are was four young women with powers and abilities. Um, I was about to say beyond the, the kin of mortal man, but they don't even know they have for now. So yeah, if you, if that is something of interest to you, uh, you can check that out when it releases, uh, April 21st of this year. Next up. Next up. Uh, a new Magic the Gathering, new Magic the Gathering comics are coming in April. Uh, back in 1993, Magic the Gathering was at first introduced. The card collecting game has branched out in many forms and is still going strong nearly three decades later. Shout out to at Matt Wang 97. Indeed. The Shout newest incarnation of Magic the Gathering appears to be arriving in the form of a comic book series. Um publisher boom studios is set to start a new series in april of 2021 uh they'll be working on that ongoing monthly comic series simply titled magic the team behind magic will include writer jed mckay who we know has worked on black cat artist uh ig guara known for uh or or gara actually maybe Mm -hmm. known for ghost spider and Ledwer Ed Dukeshire, Harvey nominated and known for Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. 
So, yeah, as this article says, uh, there's been a, a bunch of um, uh, Magic the Gathering humbugs, including fairly recently uh, under the IDW umbrella. So I guess they moved to Boom. The license moved to Boom, I guess. Um, but also, I will take this point to, to say real quick, if you are a fan uh, of Magic the Gathering, uh, like myself and the, the aforementioned Matt Wayne 97, uh, Android... Well, you can get the beta for the uh, Magic the Gathering Arena uh, digital game right starting right now uh, on Android. Uh, I don't know if there's any words going, if it's going to go, if and or when it's going to go to iOS, but who cares? No, I'm just kidding. Sort of, kind of, sort of, but you can go check that out. It's basically Magic the Gathering Arena, which is the same form uh, that's on the PC, but in uh, mobile form. Uh, and it's in beta right now, just like I guess the 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 um the weirdly enough the PC app I think still is. I'm not sure if they ever ever took it out of the game. And there's a new um expansion that just dropped uh, today alongside with this um called Caldeum or something like that. So again, if you're interested in all that, it's out there. Go check it out. Next up, though, 1.25 million copies of Dogman Grime and Punishment sold in four months. Um, and this is the, uh, well, anyway, Dogman Grime and Punishment has sold 1.25 million copies according to MPD Bookscan. And while most comic sales figures and sellouts, uh, sellout notices are for sales to retailers and not to readers themselves, uh, these are sell-through numbers, which data provided by those stores to, uh, MPD Bookscan. Uh, for long-time readers of the Captain Underpants, and Dogman series, Dogman Grammar Punishment will be familiar and a delightful continuation of uh, Pilkey's, Dave Pilkey, that is, long-running universe. Um, so even if you're new, though, and you're looking for a light and breezy read or trying to find something for your for younger readers in your life, Dogman Grammar Punishment will offer uh, as enthusiastic welcome to you as the titular hero does to all he meets. So... And if you don't know, Dogman is is an old ages book by Dave Pilkey, uh, set in the Captain Underpants universe. I actually don't know if it's set in the universe, but it's basically the same art style. Next up. Next up, uh, spoiler alert, Wonder Woman, how Future State mashes up two DC mythologies. In Future State, Wonder Woman, Yara Flora incorporates elements from two different mythologies to form her version of Wonder Woman lore. Uh, as I said, this is spoilers for Future State, uh, Wonder Woman number one. Um, I'm looking to see if there's a way to summarize this. Um, so... Yara is different from Diana, not just in regards to their personalities, but also the mythologies that make up their origin stories. Based on what has been revealed so far, Yara is half Amazon, her mother coming from Themyscira. Much like Diana, though, Yara's father is a deity, but not one from the Greek pantheon. Instead, her father hails from South American mythology, specifically Tupi-Guarani mythology. Okay. Yeah. I've actually, I um, actually through this book uh recently and um i enjoyed it actually um it's not taking place i guess just like the other wonder woman books they're not really taking well 
Yeah, I, I'll say that. In the future state lineup, they're not really taking place in the... They are taking place in the world at large, but they're kind of separated, let's put it that way. Like, it's not definitely has nothing to do with what's going on with uh, Metropolis and, and Gotham uh, in that. But, um, but yeah, I, I figured I was going to like this character, and I do. It's uh, based on what I've been reading. And uh, on side note, I can't wait to see the cosplay. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, you should definitely check this out. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Next up, though, She-Hulk, Myro, uh, lead more lead uh, new women of Marvel anthology. So the the women of Marvel branding can, returns to Marvel Comics in the month of April with a new fifty six page anthology uh, announced as a part of the just released Marvel Comics uh, April twenty first twenty twenty one solicits. Uh, Mar- Women of Marvel number one unites women creators and women characters for a series of stories. Uh, the announced stories are a She-Hulk story written by Nadia Shamas and an artist to be announced. A Marvel story by longtime Marvel fan writer uh, artist Sophie Campbell and a Peggy Carter story wrote, written by Elsa Jensen and an artist to be announced. Uh, additional creators announced are writers Anne Toole and Natasha Alterici, along with artists uh, Eleonora Carlini, Joanna Estep, Skylar Partridge, and Kesama. So, cool. Oh, it is capped off by a must-read introduction by legendary editor-writer Louise Weezy Simonson. So, don't forget to check that out. In so what? I said Wheezy! Exactly. Next up. Wheezy's awesome. Um, All right, next up. uh, Donny Cates debunks your century theories. The King in Black writer clarified that the mysterious entity being teased in the Marvel Comics event series is not the century. Cates says uh, that the... um, Mysterious god of light that serves as a foil to null the god of symbiotes is not uh, actually Bob Reynolds, uh, a.k.a. the Sentry, who met his demise at the hands of Null in King in Black number one. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I, uh, um, I actually said that? that. I said I, said, I remember um, watching the video that I was talking about, about that. I'm like, oh, snap. Right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So he says that it's someone or something else entirely. Uh, Kate said he should clarify that this entity, this thing that we keep on teasing, that there is a god of light in the way that Null is the god of darkness. That's not the century. uh, He says he can confirm that. Kate said in an interview with IGN shortly before the release of King in Black number three. Um, he says it'll be a big surprise for people reading and he can't wait for you to see it because that's also been something that he's been, that they've been planning on since day one. Um, while, while the deity King in Black is teasing is not the century, Cates did tease that readers may not have seen the last of the century yet, noting that in the Marvel Universe, quote, nothing is ever done, quote unquote, and that certainly you're seeing that in the Valkyrie series, that uh, the century's on a journey with Jane, and that um, he's all, that you're also talking to the writer of Thor who has the keys to Valhalla, who has keys to Valhalla. So he's going to stop talking there. That's a, that's a nice little ending to that, um, that, that little statement there. 
So we haven't seen the Valkyrie series in a minute. So um, it's the it's the it's the the rise of the Valkyries. It's the King in Black tie-in series right. he's referring. But I'm just saying, but we still haven't seen that yet. So no, um, we have. Did that come out? Yep. When did that come out? We've already gotten. I want to say one issue. I think the second issue may have come out already too. But we definitely have gotten one issue. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. Um, I read it. I was about to say. I think I told you to take a look at it, but uh, just because you know, you, you know, even with uh, trying to stay away from most of the King and Black stuff, it's interesting to see that uh, um, the Valkyrie series was written by, I believe, uh, Torun. You know, the the lady and um, right, Torun Grumbach. Yeah, yeah, Torun Grumbach and um, uh, I don't know if it was Jason Aaron co-writing this also, but I, I, I have a feeling it was, but she was definitely involved. So that was one reason why I gave it a shot to take a look at it. I gave, I gave it a shot because uh, it was the creative team behind the regular Valkyrie uh, series. Right. Yeah. Cause I, now that you say that, I do remember there was that other thing about um, Jason Aaron and, and Kate's doing a team up on a thing uh, coming out of this or something. Went along with that, and I don't know if that had to do with the Valkyries thing or not. I can't remember, but regardless, yeah, okay. Um, I, I'll probably have to go back and check that out. Um, next up, though, and that probably God of Light is probably Thor. Let's be honest, probably not. I don't know. I haven't been reading that closely to know, but um, so uh, Heroes Reborn. Oh God, teases <laughs> teases merge Marvel's heroes and villains together. So, folks, I'm just, just before I go into this article, um, if you haven't realized by now, Marvel's been, let's say, uh, retreading seems like a harsh word, but we're just going to use that Celebrating one anyway. Celebrating is their word. Sure. Uh, past Marvel events um, uh, and Heroes Reborn is, in some people's minds, like mine, uh, not great. <laughs> Right. Um, so, so them revisiting it for for any um, for any length of time is doesn't necessarily leave a, uh, any good taste in anyone's mouth, or at least not in my mouth. I'll put it that way. But we'll see how this goes because um, a set of teasers for Marvel Comics' new Heroes Reborn, Reborn event has been released. Remember when they said no, uh, I know this has to do with big events, but remember when they said no uh, no events for 16 months and there's just been a series of little events that they've circumvented all this. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, which merges various heroes and villains together from across the Marvel Universe. Both Heroes Reborn teasers were revealed on Twitter by the official Marvel account and by uh, Marvel Editor-in-Chief C.P. Sabolsky. Uh, each tweet was accompanied by the hashtag Marvel's Marvel Heroes Reborn 2021, which makes me wish that it was the um, MMO that, that was being reborn that was called Marvel Heroes, but I know that's probably never going to happen. Anyway, the first shows a mashup of Doctor Doom and Juggernaut sitting on Throne, and if you're watching the video, you can see the said uh, image right there. Uh, but there's also various other teasers that uh, that we see in this article. Uh, let's see the 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 characters knuckles have the name Doom stamped on them, like they're MF Doom. <laughs> uh, the next mashup appears, which appears to be Scarlet Witch and the Entrenchers, which is kind of an interesting one. 
the while well, the green costume is reminiscent uh, of that one by the Enchantress, the red hair and the red hairdress, uh, and the headdress feels heavy. He's called it Witch Vibes. But we'll just go ahead and say that, yeah, see, here they are if you're watching the video. Sorry. Okay. Uh, there's Peter Parker. Um, I clicked an ad. Yeah, that happens. Um, see, it says released on the Peter Parker shown standing on the Daily Bugle sign, then leaves off into the air with only one part of his superhero costume visible being his legs and pants. Uh, the colors give away that whatever character Peter Parker is, is in Heroes Reborn, it won't be Spider-Man. Uh, then there's another one with Reed and Ben from the Fantastic Four as being a part of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is, you see that here. And last, or not last but not least, but there's also one of Phil Coulson. Looks like he's running for president, not mm-hmm. unlike uh, Loki did <laughs> not too long ago. Uh, there's Hulk punching out aliens in space. Uh, and there's Wolverine leading a slightly different team of Alpha Flight. Right. Which is the which is our next story. Yeah, which is our next story. Which Yeah, and we're going to touch on a couple of these. And uh, last but not least is Thanos with looks like a different version of the Infinity Gauntlet. Or just mm-hmm. like, he just like, got Infinity Rings now. Right. Right, 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 right. It's teased that they might be the Mandarin's rings. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, going into our next story, um, uh, Marvel released that that teaser for the 2021 Heroes Reborn initiative uh, featuring Wolverine alongside a very different version of Alpha Flight, including a version of Sasquatch with, with demonic horns and a version of Aurora with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. Rounding up cast is sh- uh, Shaman. Uh, who wears a cloak similar to Doctor Strange's and a heavily armored version of the Guardian. Uh, Wolverine himself has metallic adornments on his arms as well as a tank top that has the same design as his classic yellow and blue costume. Okay. Yeah, so this is going to be, like, what is that even supposed to be? You know what? It doesn't matter. We'll find out more about this. Right. I was about to say this. I was about to say your story, your upcoming, your next story, I think establishes the basis for this whole event and it'll uh, give us some more uh, clarity as to what they're going for. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And that is Blade is at the center of Marvel's new Heroes Reborn event. Uh, the Daywalker Blade will be at the center of Marvel's upcoming Heroes Reborn by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis, which makes so much sense if you think about what's going on in Avengers right now. Uh, according to the synopsis for the event, or following the merger and rewriting of much of the Marvel Universe, Blade is the one man alive who seems to remember that the entire world has somehow been reborn. And so begins his search for the cause behind this ominous shift in reality. Also gives shades of House of M, I will go so far as to say, because this is not the first time that Marvel has done such a thing. I can't remember which way. Which came first? Was it? Let me see. Heroes Reborn came before House of M? Hell yeah! Heroes Reborn was like in the early, mid-90s. Right. So at least House of M yeah, didn't so come until right. the 2000s until Bendis. Right. Anyway, yeah, there's that. So, um, so I bring that up just for a little, little context there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the wildest story I ever put on paper, Aaron said. I want to, I got to cut loose on this and release my inner comic reared child in a really profound way. 
And together with a cadre of immensely imaginative artists, we built a world that I'm pretty confident in saying is quite unlike any version of the Marvel Universe you've seen before, except for the fact that it's an event we've seen before. Uh, it grew out of the pages of my Avengers run, but kept getting bigger and bigger as it went. And the more pieces I put into place for this reborn world, the more gleeful and excited I became. This project really stoked the fires of my love for comics in all the right ways. And I will take this point as to say, on a positive note, that, um, nope, 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 never mind. I was about to say something. That's <laughs> Shoot. Roddy Cat was like, yo. No, because I was, so we have. So we also have seen this in the likes of uh, the last Secret Wars event where, but that was more of, you know, um, uh, it wasn't more of heroes getting mashed up. This was just a, a, a different world where alternate realities of stuff that already had been around kind of gotten shine, uh, including Thor's, as, as uh, famously loved by the the um, the folks here at the Comic Book Chronicles. Probably will have nothing to do with this. Uh, which I think, wait, wasn't that Jason Aaron who did Thor's? I'm not sure. Possibly. Um, let's, let's Possibly, because I'm pretty sure that uh, Aaron's Thor run was uh, going on at that time. Right. Um, let, me, let me look at it real, really, really, really quick. Yep, Jason Aaron. Yep, so that was yep. him. And we love that one. So right. we can give right. some positive notes to that part, but here for Bowen still leaves a, a, a taste in folks' might. And this article goes on to talk about the original Heroes Reborn uh, crossover from 96-97. Right. So, there you go, folks. Which, if we were still doing um, the, the evergreen stuff that we were doing at the beginning of, uh, of, of uh, COVID last year, uh, we may or may not have gotten around to Heroes Reborn. Oh, no. Lord. Yeah, Is that exactly. stuff actually on Marvel Unlimited? It has to be. Probably. It would have to be at this point. If not, it will it be soon. I, I barely touched that stuff when it was coming out in real time. Same. Barely touched it. I looked at the FF stuff because Jim Lee was supposed to draw it and then he dropped out because, you know, he's not, he wasn't churning out stuff the way he used to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, now I'm going to look for it because I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. Didn't it kind of start there or start and or end there? Because it, that whole thing was based around Franklin. Oh, yeah, it's there. Yeah. Because the it's whole thing was based, pretty much based around uh, Franklin and something to do with his powers and shunting folks into an alternate reality. Yeah, that was Onslaught. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we try to forget that also, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, Goodness gracious. All right, next up. Next up. All. Eight Mar- all eight Marvel Black History Month 2021 covers have been revealed. Marvel Comics is going to be celebrating Black History Month in February 2021, along with the rest of us, with a series of variant covers across the comic book line. Um, they are by Brazilian artist Hernanda Souza. Um, this was revealed as part of Marvel's February 2021 solicitations with the complete set of covers now released. 
Um, D'Souza, uh, uh, Hernan D'Souza is, is a popular artist in the gaming industry, having illustrated for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, Magic the Gathering, uh, the trading card game, and Pathfinder. The total of eight covers are planned and um, will be coming out as follows. There's a King in Black Captain America. Number one, February 3rd, King in Black Return of the Valkyries. Number three already, see, February mm-hmm. 17th. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 23, February 17th, X-Men 18, February 24th, Iron Man number 6, February 17th, Avengers 42, February 3rd, Black Panther 23, February 3rd, and Champions number 4, February 3rd. Cool. So check those out uh, if you feel so inclined. I'm actually, you know, I don't know if I see them. Actually, yeah, here we go. So we see the Black Panther. Uh, wow. Did that has that not finished? I just realized that. I don't think we've seen Black Panther in a minute. No, it's been on hiatus. Yeah. They haven't really they haven't really said why. I don't know if it's an art um uh delay or if it's a, a writing delay for Coates because he has been um promoting other work in right. the meantime during the pandemic. And we know so, he's leaving sure. he's ending the book. So Right. But he's still on cap. So right. it's kind of weird to see, you know, it's kind of weird to see him continue to churn out cap right. uh, while Black Panther is on this uh, hiatus. Yeah. So I, I suspect it's art related, but, you know, we don't know. Right. Move right along, though. So you can see there's a uh, in the article in the show notes, you can see uh, a slideshow of the um, of said covers, basically. Um, and. If you just watched the video, you just saw me go through all of them. Next up, though, Marvel shakes up Guardians of the Galaxy lineup, mission, and creative team. Uh, and this is also from the solicits uh, that, that are already out. A new age of space starts here. They were soldiers, misfits, soldier, uh, mercenaries, thieves, and a family. They were heroes. But the times have changed. The, the galaxy no longer needs heroes. It needs superheroes reads the solicitation for Guardians of the Galaxy 13th. Now when the call goes forth, whether it's from a stranded team of planetary explorers or Emperor Hawkling and his Kree Skrull Alliance, the Guardians of the Galaxy answer. Uh, The new age of space brings a new artist, new headquarters, new costumes, new teammates, and an all new enemy you'll have to see to believe. Get on board, true believer. It's going to be a route wide. I'm assuming that's still from the solicits. So why does this feel like this is hearkening back to After Annihilation? Because I feel like they did something similar back then. Uh, but regardless, the, the main takeaway from this is to know that while the artist uh, is going to change, um, um, Al Ewing is still going to be on this book for the long run. And that mm-hmm. is, is, is important to note, personally. <laughs> Next up. Spider-Ham, I had to stress that part, Mm -hmm. Spider-Ham has great power and no responsibility in a new graphic novel. So thanks to his exposure in the Spider-Verse movie, Spider-Ham is getting some more shine. Um, Great power, uh, Marvel and Scholastic, that is, have announced Spider-Ham, great power, no responsibility, an original graphic novel by Steve Fox and Shadia Amin. Man, what a life. Um, 
CBR exclusively revealed the this original graphic novel is going to debut in October. Cool. I'm not sure what that what that last part was for with the water life, but okay. Hey, great power and no responsibility. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So that's cool though. Um, I might have to check it out. I know we have some Spider Ham fans uh, out in the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel announces X Men fan vote. So we talked about this earlier to select the final member of the team. So yeah, we pretty much gave you the particulars earlier, but yes, that vote is ongoing as of this recording because it just started uh, the day before. Um, and yeah, go put your vote in. So the nominees, the nominees on the ballot are Banshee, Polaris, because I don't think we did this part earlier, Forge, nope. Boom Boom, Tempo, Cannonball. Sunspot, uh, Strong Guy, Marrow, and Armor. Those are your choices, folks. There can be only one. Um, I saw someone, a carbon creator, I can't remember who it was, talking about they, um, th- they voted for Cannonball just despite Sunspot's ego. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was pretty cute. Um, I can't remember who that was, though. That was like, all right, I appreciate that. That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know who I would vote for. I, I have uh, a couple of ideas, cause, but most of the people have been in a team. Or, I guess, specifically an X-Men team. Actually, well, with actually half of these probably haven't been on an X-Men team, but have been on X-rated teams. Right. What I was going to say is at least... At least um... In terms of you know getting like uh, main roster attention, right? I think the I, I uh, at least amongst the hero side, you know, Tempo I believe was a bad guy for a while she, at the beginning. I believe I believe she was, or because um, I, I was just reading about her. Um, yeah, because she was just reintroduced, right? So, um, well, no, I mean, like her backstory, uh, b- before, right? No, but she was also just reintroduced, right? Um, in the pages of, um, uh, the X books, I can't remember where, but right. I think it, it might have been, uh, due to, was it in Sword? I think it was in Sword. That sounds right. Yep, yep, yep. It was in Sword. Or actually, and, no, the first time I remember, she was, um, and I maybe partially due to my reading, but she had aged up about a, a barrel of whiskey or wine for, uh, with her and Forge. Oh, in Marauders, okay. Yeah, I believe so, yes. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Uh, yeah, but we most recently saw her in Sword. Correct. Uh, I think she was named as like one of the backups or something. Oh, no, was she a member of the Sword team? Or... She might have been a member of the Sword team. I don't even remember. Things are blown. But she was listed as a backup, you know, one of the backup to um, the members. I, I remember something about that. Right. But, um, you know, in any event... Um, you know, she seems like a prime member. Uh, um, maybe not to win the fan vote, but to definitely be a candidate for inclusion just because it's kind of like an offbeat addition. I've seen someone uh, say, uh, actually do that, actually, because again, I think it was a common creator who was like, I vote, they voted for Tempo. Mm hmm. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. I mean, my, my, the, the, so, you know, I have a, I have a soft spot for Banshee. Um, especially now that he's been reborn on, on, on Krakoa. Yeah. But then they'll just kill him. See, that was part of it. It's like, yeah, but they just do it and then they end up killing him again. <laughs> but they're already doing that with his sister in X Factor, so they they probably right. didn't. Uh, personally, oh, you I mean was, his daughter? His daughter. Excuse me. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah I don't know why I've confused. I've always thought that was his sister, but 
Um, but either Boom Boom or Armor. Obviously, Boom Boom's been on X Force, so you know. Just, uh, yeah, I was about to say, and Armor has been on the Astonishing X Men team, right? But those would still be kind of, you know, either that or Tempo, or those two or Tempo probably would be my picks. Polaris has also been on. Wait, has been on a mainline X Men team, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, X Factor. Well, yeah, that too. But I'm saying I feel like she's been on. Well, when she was appearing in the main X in the main X Men book, obviously in the early days, um, she I don't think was ever really given X Men member status. Hmm. You know, I don't believe. To the Googles. You know. That that was always my understanding is that she was just like a tangential member, and then she finally became an official X person when uh, she was put on the X Factor team. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, collaborations, affiliation. One says X Men on here, but that doesn't necessarily mean right. I was about to say if there's a if there's a a, a, a notation that says when they join the team, right, that would be helpful. Yeah, that's what I'm sitting there trying to look. Or, issue, you know? Yeah, uh, and the wiki's going through a lot of things, so I have to pour through that a little bit. Uh, right. Uh, I was about to say, in the meantime, I can move on to the next story while you're looking. Um, a major part of Way of X, the upcoming book, is about Nightcrawler creating a new mutant religion, which was something that was teased in the pages of X-Men. Um Way of X writer Simon Spurrier explains how the new status quo of Krakoa uh, will see Nightcrawler start a mutant religion. Um, in an interview with CPR, um, Spurrier said that you know it's no surprise that Kurt is troubled by the fact that any mutant can be brought back to life uh, on Krakoa. Uh, he says that uh, Nightcrawler has lots of questions about how this whole thing is supposed to work, how this... He's this poor fool who desperately wants to fit in and enjoy himself, but he's wandering about saying that's wrong, except when someone asks why it's wrong, he really has no answer. Um, you know, in, in, you know, uh, uh, Spurrier continues that, uh, you know, since nothing's quite the same as it was in the Homo sapiens world, the old codes and morals don't apply in quite the same way. Um, you know, Kurt takes... Uh, See, I'm just looking to skip forward just to see. You know, he says that um, it's a bit too simple to say that uh, that's ex- that's all that Way of X is about, but that's what it's about. Um, that's its cue anyway. It's a springboard into other stories. Although Nightcrawler will be exploring spirituality and religion as it applies to a new mutant world, he won't be crafting a pantheon and mythology from whole cloth. Okay. Hmm. Way of X, number one, written by Simon Spurrier and illustrated by Bob Quinn, arrives in April from Marvel Comics. So... Just by reading here, she was a part of the team that uh, um, was in Giant Size X-Men. Oh, she gets captured by Krakoa. Uh-huh. And she leaves the team in X-Men 94, which I guess that was when pretty much uh, yeah, uh, all new, all different. Right. So she's only on for like the briefest time then. Uh, like a yeah, fish. But- 
Yeah, but she might have come back. Uh, uh, you know, like I, said, I don't, don't want to point through this whole thing, but she might have actually rejoined the team for you know later on for some other stuff. But that mm-hmm. was pretty much the initial looks like uh, deal. So okay. Anyway, next up though, um, Cyclops leads into leaps into action in a uh, new statue by Kotobukiya. Um, so Kotobukiya has revealed his latest fine art statue. Which features the X-Men leader Cyclops. Uh, Cyclops is shown leaping into action from a base compromised, uh, excuse me, comprised of rubble while wearing his uniform from the X-Men animated series. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. Uh, I looked at the wiki. It says that uh, Polaris uh, first appears in X-Men number 49 and first appeared as a member of the X-Men in X-Men number 60 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. remained a member of the team until just after the debut of the new team of X-Men and Giant Size X-Men. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to take a look at the, uh, the note because that's wiki right. as opposed to the fan, the, the fandom page, I guess you were looking at. Uh, well, I guess probably the same, same one, but yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so the statue of Cyclops that we're talking about is digitally sculptured and formed from high-quality cold cast resin, but, but whatever all of that, it's 329 bucks, but looks good. So if you're watching the video, you can check that out here. Um, fans of Cyclops, I hope you got the money for that. <laughs> ah. Shout out to Classic Materia. Because Kodobukiya does some stuff, does some, some great stuff, but they're pricey. It depends. I was going to say, I have a Kotobukiya um, Captain America that was not that expensive. Well, let me rephrase that. The fine art ones are definitely, because I have a right. Kotobukiya exactly. uh, Miss Marvel, and that's like that was like 50 bucks, I believe. So, and But those mm-hmm. are also smaller and, you know, and, and I don't want to say less detailed, but they're, but they're like um, smaller in form and lesser detailed than these, these, these fine art statues are. Right. These are, these are on that other level of uh, price point. Right. There you go. Next up. All right. Uh, new and old Marvel merch comes to Toink or Toyin K. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, Marvel fans can now grab some new and some older officially licensed merchandise from Toyin K. Starting off, they have a one-to-one scale prop replica of the Eye of Agamotto from Doctor Strange. It even lights up. I have seen this in real life. It is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, I've seen cosplayers. I have a buddy who cosplays as uh, Dr. Martin Luther Strange. And right, um, he uh, he has this um, he has this replica, which is pretty cool. Um, you can also get um, uh, premier pins of WandaVision uh, that have them, I guess, incarnations of uh, Wanda and uh, the vision from an upcoming episode. You can get the Thor toolbox hammer, which I I really don't want to buy. Well, so this is old. So yeah, this is now he's getting to the old stuff. So those first two were the new things, and this uh, right. we've talked about this this uh, this Thor's hammer pre- uh, previously in a episode a while ago. Right, 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 right. But uh, it's still available. Yes. Uh, which is basically a toolkit in the shape of Thor's Mjolnir, uh, <laughs> and also this Iron Man. Um, screwdriver kit which is right it's like a computer uh, screwdriver kit now or is it regular screwdrivers no i think it's just like well this um like regular screwdrivers it's just like it's more for like uh you know um um i assume you could use this for like uh 
your PC wears or like little electronics and stuff like that. But but this is basically a set of screwdrivers. Got it. Uh, with with bits, you know, because you got the little, the one screw screwdriver thing, and then you got the bits that go on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, for the various sizes. So yeah, that stuff is still out there. Cool. Uh, next up. Is that me? That's me. Okay. Uh, Star Wars Princess Leia gets a new Hope Gentle Giant statue. And obviously, I'm going to go ahead and take the next one. Good. Uh, because there's also Gentle, from Gentle Giant, uh, Clone Wars and Rebel statue, and uh, uh, also. So, yeah, there's the, there's the Princess Leia one uh, that's, that's like from, from A New Hope with her in her cell. And there's uh, Captain Rex from Clone Wars. And there's uh, Thrawn, also, I guess, from, Thr- you know, Thrawn, but from Rebels, I guess, if we we're going to go with a uh, animated rendition uh, that is also uh, available. The Captain Rex is 120 bucks. The, the Thrawn is 60 bucks, And the Leia is 200 bucks. And it looks like, uh, let's see, the Leia will be coming out June 2021. Uh, actually, all of these look like they'll be coming out in June 2021. So, there you go. Next up. All right, next up. Uh, Anthony Mackie shows off a couple of Boba Fett motorcycle helmets that he owns. Um, or helmets, that is. Well, actually, uh, one is a helmet. One is a motorcycle helmet. The other one is an actual Boba Fett helmet. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I saw a picture of the motorcycle helmet one, I think. Hmm. Um. So he's a big fan of Boba Fett, and during a recent appearance on The Late Late Show with James Corden, Mackie showed off a couple of Boba Fett bounty hunter helmets that he owns. One is a replica helmet signed by the original actor Jeremy, Jeremy Bullock, and the other a motorcycle helmet that was custom made to look like Fett's helmet. The actor said... Um, Pulled it off the shelf, man. My friends who've been over have seen this, but no one has ever seen this. It's never been out of the case. Uh, that's okay. That's cool. So he met he met uh, Jeremy uh, Bullock, uh, the original Boba Fett, and, and got his uh, replica helmet signed. That's cool. Yeah, and as we know, um, Jeremy, Jeremy Bullock recently passed. So I, yep. I would imagine that's probably how that conversation came up. Um, so yeah, next up. Uh, the, 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 the 10 new Star Wars stamps featuring droids from all over the galaxy will be released in the U.S. sometime this spring. Uh, the United States Postal Service revealed that these stamps will, will feature IG-11, R2-D2, K2-SO, D-O, um, uh, Agent 70's favorite uh, <laughs> droid, uh, L-337, BB-8, C-3PO, and a GNG Gonk power droid, a 2-1B uh, surgical droid, uh, C-110P, also known as Chopper, um, also will be available, each with their own unique backdrop based on some of the more memorable locations of the Star Wars saga. Uh, for example, you can see in the images below, D.O.'s... Um, Go away, Dio. <laughs> Backdrop is that of the hallway in the Millennium Falcon. So there you go. Cool stuff. And there are Freyro stamps. So, you know, you can um, use that, use them whenever. I might actually try to get a sheet of these. 
and I'll probably properly lose them, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Next up, though, I was about to say, you know, it's, it's something that sometimes gets used by accident. Yeah. You know, like uh, 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 someone in the home sees stamps that, you know, and they need one. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, like, wait, what happened to this set? Yeah, no, I end up fighting my wife. I'm like, why'd you do this? <laughs> but no, I would, I would try to, I would, I would hide them away. <laughs> well before just, that happened right. next up to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Studio Ghibli's 2001 film Spirited Away a new baseball jacket has been released featuring no face um, I believe you might have skipped one but that's fine I keep going with that one. Oh, it's blank oh yeah because I don't yeah don't worry about the blanks because I just that was where I took some stuff out so don't worry about that yeah so I didn't skip anything no 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 I thought because um, you did Star Wars droid theme stamps, and the next thing is Spirited Away. No, the Todd. Where is the Todd McFarlane one then? Oh, I didn't put it back in there. Ah! I was about to say I'll click reload just in case. No, but, no, no, no. Know. Um, I might have took that one. Took that one out by mistake because I was moving some stuff around to try to get it kind of uniform. You're seeing, it, you're hearing some behind the scenes weeds, folks. Um, right. But no, I'm just like, was, what is he talking about? There's nothing there. Yeah, no, I totally forgot that I forgot to put, I forgot to fill in the blank. So now I'm waiting for this gigantic page to load again. Uh, yeah, don't worry about it. You just keep going with the one you got, and I'll go back. I'll wrap back around. All right. Well, I'm still waiting for the oh, page. Actually, to no, load. no, 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 no. Actually, you didn't do that. You know, you're absolutely right. I forgot I moved that one to clickbait. That's what. That's what happened with that one. Um, Hold, I've, I've got a sound effect for this. Just stand there in your wrongness and be wrong and get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be using that one for yourself, I see, then. Not a problem. Um... <laughs> that was, uh, I, happen to, I happen to be, uh, 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 you know, like kind of just playing um, uh, the West Wing uh, just, you know, just for, I don't know. I just had it on in the background. I don't know what I was doing. But when I saw that, I was like, I got to get that drop, man. I got to mm-hmm. get that sound. Okay. I was going to ask you where uh, that came from, and you just answered that question. So Yeah, nice. it's the West Wing. I was going to say, if you don't uh, recognize uh, Martin Sheen's voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let me get back to the story, because I clicked reload in this gigantic, um, and our, our, our show notes had to reload. So let's see. Where are we? away, like you said. Right. Um... Let me see. I think I pulled. Uh, come on, come on. Okay. Uh, to mark the occasion, um, Studio Ghibli announced the release of that uh, themed baseball jacket, Spirited Away themed baseball jacket, bearing the decals featuring the bathhouse and no face devouring one of the workers, Aogeru. The jacket is available in four sizes small, medium, large, and extra large, and can be purchased online at Studio Ghibli's merchandise store. They will be shipped out in early February. Cool. Moving right along. I've only watched bits and pieces, but they are on HBO Max, so it's about uh, time uh, uh, either of us did it. Yeah, or both of us. So. I suppose that is true. Uh, Garth Ennis creates his own time bandit with a new series, uh, Marjorie Finnegan. Uh, the boys creator, Garth Ennis, is trading in superheroes for time bandits in the creator-owned series, Marjorie Finnegan. Uh, illustrated by one of his longtime artistic partners, Garen uh, Suzuka, um, Ennis's Marjorie Finnegan follows a titular 
temporal criminal as she races up and down the time stream for ways to make money while trying to keep one step ahead of the some time police as well as her creepy ex. Um, so time travel inspires endless possibilities for all kinds of fun. And there's one thing Marge likes. It's fun, says Ennis in the announcement. Uh, this is my own spin on time travel tale with a twist or two that, ocu- that occurred while I was thinking about the conundrums that uh, temporal mischief can inspire. And uh, there is uh, pre- some preview pages along here, and it's going to go on sale on May 4th, 5th, excuse me, May 5th. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. Next. All right, next up in a, in a piece from the Washington Post. Um, it's a story about Roy, uh, Roy Okupe, or Okupe, um, Dreamed of creating an African superhero universe, he discovered superheroes from the Transformers and X-Men cartoons while growing up in Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, luckily, he was able to avoid um, uh, Wanda blowing stuff up uh, because he arrived in the United States in 2002 at the age of 17. The same year Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie broke records at the box office and made superheroes a mainstay in theaters. Um Let's see here. Uh, he had a dream to start um, his own uh, African superhero universe. And in 2015, he decided to introduce his heroes to the world by self-publishing comic books. Mm-hmm. Now in 2021, Oku- uh, Oku- Okupe's dream will become mainstream. Oregon-based Dark Horse Comics, the legendary home of Hellboy, Sin City, and the Umbrella Academy, is acquiring the rights to republish the comics from Okupe's company, Unique Studios, and publish new tales in the future. The deal makes Okupe one of the rising stars of a comic industry that has made efforts to diversify over the last decade and opens up a whole new world of potential Hollywood possibilities. Good for him. Yeah, so I believe, um, like I said, I've seen some of some of the Unique Studios books from Free Comic Books Day stuff, uh, including the the you see Malika uh, Warrior Queen. Uh, if you're watching the video, um, I believe I saw on another article that this is there is an also a ten a ten book deal uh, with Dark Horse that's going on. With this. I'm not entirely sure. Um, was all right, but I've saw I've seen this article and I saw another article talking about this also. But r- regardless, it is good for Royer. I think it's Royer. I'm not sure if that's the case. It could be wrong. You might be right about Roy because I've never heard his name pronounced out loud. So apologies. Either way, it stands. And it could be. Um, and uh, but yeah, I've definitely seen some of these these books out and about, but I've never had a chance to uh, read in them, and I'm fairly certain we don't get them. But I guess, um, yeah, we'll see how that, that goes in the future. But this is definitely a good deal for him and, and his crew, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, last but not least, um, S.H.I.E.L.D. is a, now a real government program in the U.S. and Canada. Unbelievable. <laughs> so Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may be off the air, but its real-world namesake may live on in the defense force of the United States and Canada. The Strategic Homeland Integrated Ecosystem for Layered Defense is a potential component of NORAD, the aerospace agency that provides security for the two nations. Um, so basically it's SWORD. <laughs> no, I'm um, Reports CBC, the, the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Wait, that's... 
Wait. Canadian Broadcasting Company. Yeah. Thank you. Um, this version calls for monitoring potential air, land, and space-based threats to two countries through real-time uh, data analysis. So basically, it's kind of sword. Um, but that's also part of NORAD. So um, that's kind of funny. Uh, that's pretty damn funny. Listen, I thought it was pretty funny to yeah. hear that. Um, I also, uh, I also saw some idiots online who were like, well, you know, if this had been, you know, this would have been skewered like Space Force was, uh, under the previous administration who, you know, who, who shall not be named, right? Um, uh, Agent Orange. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I laughed when I saw this. I was like, okay, that's a clever acronym, right? you know? Um, and I'm sure there's someone, someone who came up, someone was in that room naming that just had to. There was like, nah, we got to do this. We totally got to do this. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, but yeah, so that I mean, the ne- fact that it starts with strategic, right? You know, that's what I'm like saying. The, is the sign that someone was like, oh, oh, exactly. oh, I know what we can call this. Not only that, strategic homeland. Like, come on, those is you know. That is just totally straight up how Shield, or at least a version of Shield uh, acronym goes. Right. So yeah, no, I, the, I was about to say the modern one. Right. You know, so, based off of uh, what's called based off the MCU, and I be- I want to say Ultimates also. Uh, that's probably true. I'm not entirely sure actually, but that's probably, that feels true. Right. I I remember seeing this be like, all right, so it's the same thing for the first two letters. It's the right. integrate. It's the integrated where. Um, it, it, it diverges. Well, clearly they didn't want to get sued also. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, we can't go, we cannot go the whole way with, or the whole way with this. So we gotta, That's gotta, funny. you know, we, we, we gotta spin it a little bit, but someone in that meeting you, was, is definitely a comic book fan. There's got to, I, I you course. cannot tell me any other, any other way. I refuse. Of course. But uh, that is the news. I actually, um, apparently, Agent Sophia's Chloe Bennett was revealed to have COVID nineteen's di- uh, diagnosis. So, oh no, I don't know when that was, but apparently that was at the bottom of this. Oh wait, that was uh, at the beginning of the month. So she's, I would assume she's better now. And shout hope out to so. Tim for that story. I hope so. Yeah. So anyway, folks, that is the news uh, for this evening. We got another ad read. Yes, our last ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronto, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. I just tried Moscato for the first time ever. Uh, not from Wink, but... You, I'm pretty sure they have a good. They have one there if you are so inclined. That, folks, 
is the end of this here comic book chronicles for this evening. And it's weird that we went longer than the 400th episode with five, four, three, three other, three or four other people. Um, I was trying to, uh, this is why I started rapid fire early. I know. I know. That's like, and th- that was the intention of, you know, blazing through some of the stuff, but you know, you cannot talk about shield being a real thing or yeah. some of the other stuff. Um, but regardless folks, Thank you for coming out for, for this here episode. I have been Roddy Cat, your host, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter, and you can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram, which has been um, updated with some stuff. Agent underscore is 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC and underscore dirt who if you have uh, watched the, the watched or heard the last episode you may have seen a glimpse of uh, PC underscore dirt on Twitter pop culture net on Twitter pop culture network.com and his umbrella sites therein and possibly still on the bite uh, variant or replacement uh, um, I'm skimming the vine re- replacement bite b-y-t-e under comic reviews no vowels Tim D O G D nine eight the Osiris of this ish on Twitter or this Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter not the rest of that of what I said but he should start going by that um uh the Click Nation on Twitter that's the K L I Q N A T I O N all one word the Click Nation dot com uh and also uh comic book comic excuse me C B Cron on Twitter which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account definitely give a shout out there and uh, comic book resources where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the Ghost of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Hit like and subscribe and give us five-star reviews. <laughs> Um, you can also find us recording live here every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p- uh, p.m. Eastern Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. Uh, that's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. And also twitch.tv slash Chronicles, all one word. Hit like and subscribe and leave us reviews. Indeed, and of course, the, the audio comes out on CSPN um, a couple of days after the fact. Uh, Division comes out in a couple of hours uh, from, from this recording, so hopefully you're enjoying that and not spoiling it for other people. But um, we will be back next week uh, for another exciting episode of the Combo Chronicles. And this is where we say peace. Peace, one. Wakanda!